0: This is the SFF Audio Podcast.
1: Hi, I'm Jesse. And I'm Scott.
2: And I'm Terrence, under heavy pressure.
1: Oh, yes. (laughs) And we're going to talk about A Meeting with Medusa by Arthur C. Clarke. First published in Playboy in
3: 1971.
1: Yeah. Um, I actually processed that, uh, issue of Playboy, um, and never read the story. And I, I had the audiobook for this, um, which included two short stories, which are super famous, as well as, um, uh, Meeting with Medusa. I had the star. And um, nine billion names of god, hmm. um, nice. and those are both public
0: domain. This really? one, That's yeah, cool.
1: right, amazing. Mm-hmm. And uh,
0: this one are is you not. gonna do you need to do the star on uh, RSD. RSD? Already
1: did you've already edited it, sir. Are you serious? Yeah, <laughs> so we got like 300 400 episodes, right? So my, me- my
0: to... memory, yeah, yeah we
1: did, we also did the uh, nine billion names
0: of god, yeah, very cool. Yeah.
2: Yes, I remember listening to them. Yeah.
1: Well, mm-hmm. you, you know, good writing. Good writing. Yeah. Thoughtful guy. Um, but I think the last thing I read by Clark before this was his bad Moonbus book. Um, <laughs> what was it called? Um,
0: yeah, A Fall of Moondust. A
1: Fall of Moon, moon Dust, Yeah. Yeah. Um, it wasn't terrible. It was just uh-huh. like
0: um, I took it because he called it bad. Yeah, that, that was one of my early reads. Yeah, you know, I've said this a number of times before, but Arthur C. Clarke, I read Dolphin Island. Uh, I just have such a clear memory of finding that in a middle school library mm-hmm. and reading it. And then I was into science fiction ever since.
1: Yeah, no, he's, um, he's But amazing. A Fall of
0: Moondust I read not too long after that.
1: Uh, um, look, it's a good place to start because yeah. it gives you a lot of the stuff. You know, it's actually kind of an introduction to science fiction because Mm -hmm. and especially hard science science fiction right yeah Uh, now here's my problem with that book it's all about characters right (laughs) they're all in relationships and they're all thinking about you know like oh my wife at home and it's also a murder mystery kind of or uh, no not a murder mystery. there's a mystery involved um Mm -hmm. and it's also a disaster movie one of those yeah yeah, so it's bad um Mm -hmm he's not great at that. What he's really good at is this. Um, and I didn't see the twist at the end coming exactly. Although he, he sprinkled the hints Mm -hmm. in, um, I didn't, I didn't know much about it other than I saw the pictures in, uh, the, you know, paintings in, um, Playboy. And you've got a hot air balloon, uh, which turns out to have multiple things in gases inside of it, and then you've got a giant Medusa, a.k.a. Uh, jellyfish.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: And I'm like, that's cool, and and I think I read, you know, something about Jupiter in text while I was processing it, and then when we start the audiobook, uh, it's on Earth, and I'm like, oh. I didn't <laughs> realize this is on Earth, and um, do you guys know the uh, story this is most similar to? Um, by uh, Conan Doyle?
0: Hmm. No.
1: Pretty obscure. Conan Doyle, you know, we think of him as the Sherlock Holmes guy, maybe the Professor Challenger guy, but he wrote a lot of other stuff, um, including some historical stuff, but he wrote a story called um, The Horror of the Heights, and it's an early airplane book, like, so it's like 1910 or something like that, and basically what it is is uh, pilots are going up, and then they disappear, right? they're, They're aircraft land somewhere on the earth um crushed uh it's giant jellyfish in the upper atmosphere story it's a (laughs) it's a kind of like um lovecraftian monsters of the upper upper atmosphere of earth Hmm. which is i was thinking oh because that's what this is going to be because uh it's it's got the queen elizabeth fourth uh, on Earth and then that comes to an abrupt end. <laughs> <laughs> so i like, oh okay. Yeah. story's not over. Um and yeah. then we get the sequel inside of it, right?
0: Which is he goes to Jupiter. That's right. That 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 opening scene was awesome too. I mean, I was right there, you know, when I read that the imagery and everything that he was doing, you know, and all the way up to the the shocking end of that section mm-hmm. where you're like, Oh, he's gone. Yeah. Yeah. But it was it was really good I mean I think it's this is among the best that I've ever read of Clark
1: it's very solid um it, I think the structure hurts it a little bit you know to make it you know it's not uh, uh, nine billion you mean, like names it's of, a
0: little too quick or what do you mean by
1: I that? think it's not I think it's not too quick uh, nine hmm. billions names names of God is like 17 minutes or something like right. And yep. you get the beautiful writing, you get a bit of symbolism, and you get this idea punch that's so hard, it knocks you uh, out of science fiction and into, uh, you know, philosophy.
3: <laughs> mm-hmm. Right. Uh,
1: Star. <laughs> very similar effect. Yep. And a yes. lot of his stories are like that. Um, this has great ideas. And it's hard SF. Mm-hmm. And he's doing propaganda. And it's propaganda I'm in favor of. But he doesn't cheat. He don't cheat at all. And that's what I love about Arthur C. Clarke. So I think I was thinking about, like, is there an Arthur C. Clarke story where the knowledge of the solar system at the time of writing is uh, ignored so that he can tell a story?
0: No, absolutely not. Yeah,
1: Right? Not. Right he doesn't mm-hmm. set a story on a Mars that he knows is, uh, dry
0: impossible. Right. right. Yes. Mm-hmm.
1: He doesn't set a story on Venus. That's full of jungles because he wants there to be jungles there. Mm. He won't write a story unless it is plausible in a way. And, you know, I think my favorite thing he's ever written is, um, the city and the stars
3: mm. because yeah.
1: that, you know, sweeps the rug on out from under your petty concerns of being a human. and says cosmic cosmic time and, uh, you know, infinite, infinite space, um, deep time and cosmic, uh, depths, uh, and humans will change if we can. And, Mm -hmm. and then what does that make you? And I'm like, yeah, you're right. Mr. Clark, he does the Olaf Stapleton thing, but he does it without, uh, but with, with actual characters. Mm -hmm. Right. So the guy in here is, he's not, uh, you know, much of a personality other than he's important to tell the story, which is, I'm absolutely fine with. But yeah, he's solid, man. Right? What did you think, Terrence?
2: <laughs> now he's very solid. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. Yes, uh, I-, I thought it was good, um, uh, because it was sort of like concentric circles going outwards of the sense of wonder, mm. starting from sort of, ordinary, uh, sort of a little bit in the future and getting very realistic there. And this sort of almost cinematic action, Mm. although he's thinking about things and analysing them scientifically. And then there are gaps that in a film um, would have been filled in and would have shown him being crushed and and so on. But suddenly he's he's just um, uh, been put together and some of the phrases are... um, Uh, We realize are ambiguous uh, when we think back from the end, Mm -hmm. and he's going on another mission. Um, Like his reflexes, his lightning reflexes, when he can. um, When they reconstructed
1: him, right? That's the phrase. We
2: we don't know that. We think it's just because he's a good pilot. No, 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 no.
1: He, the the line is in there that says, um, I, "I." after they reconstructed me my reflexes are really good and i played that game with you know an uncle who says okay you catch it right we're just not fast enough um so i
2: did played didn't... that game with my my tai chi teacher and there you go. Uh, uh he's fast enough but i'm not that's right so he's been
1: reconstructed
2: <laughs> mm-hmm. but still he doesn't really say it explicitly no it's not it explicit of...
3: absolutely
2: it, it's un... you could think of his pilot's reflexes
3: yeah
1: uh, well, you you're supposed, He doesn't do the link. He, he doesn't get. He doesn't make us say this is the murderer. <laughs> he he gives us a hint that we say, "Oh, that's yeah, interesting." He,
0: I have it here in front of me. He says, um, "When they put me together again," there Falcon no. remarked in an expressionless voice. The surgeons made some improvements. This right. is one of them, and there are others.
1: Yes, and 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 so like, uh, the other thing we find out is that this is set more than a h- hundred years in the future right? Because uh, the treaty on uh, First Contact or whatever it is was a 100 years ago. Uh, the line that blew me away at the beginning and I'm still thinking, I've been thinking about since I heard it a few days ago um, is the it's not the Queen Elizabeth four; it's the Mao Zedong uh, USS Enterprise ship what is, mm-hmm. what is yes. it called? Mm-hmm. Um, the aircraft carrier in the American Museum Right, that they're using. I'm like, what? How Americans got over their hatred of of ch- red China and think Mao is a hero, as they rightly should. <laughs> <laughs> what kind of world have we got here? <clears throat> yeah. Uh, so I've been thinking about that that like little touch that he did. Oh, here it is. Um, if all went well, Queen Elizabeth the Fourth would not meet Chairman Mao for another another week. (laughs) Like, what? Chairman Mao, uh, oh, so far the first test flight had gone perfectly. Ironically enough, the only problem had been the century-old aircraft carrier, Chairman Mao. So, over 100 years ago, the United States had an aircraft carrier, and I thought, oh, maybe it's a war trophy, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, Borrowed from the San Diego Naval Museum for support operations. So it's possible it is a war trophy. Yeah. Yeah. It is possible. But, yes, he, but him not help. saying, like, uh, you, do you want to, uh, make friends with the American, uh, with the Russians? Here's what you do. You name an aircraft or aircraft carrier after Stalin.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> and when it visits. Well,
2: that's going to get a little too far or
1: yeah. Lenin, right? You, you know, or, uh, yes. Ho Chi Minh, right? And you, cause, American aircraft carriers are named after, I think, what's the pattern? It's um, people now, right? There's a Ronald Reagan, isn't there? Um, yeah. yeah. Destroyers in Canada are named after cities. So, like, there's a HMS or HMCS Vancouver, HMSCS Halifax, sort of thing, right? Um, how do you embrace uh, other countries and say, we're not enemies? You incorporate their heroes into their thing so the america uh, the british when they had their giant fleet they would you know uh, have a ship called ajax or something so they're actually adopting um you know greek stuff but they're like saying they're ours now Mm -hmm. (laughs) because we're the inheritors of the romans we're the inheritors of the greeks um but if you go to china with an aircraft carrier called you know the ronald reagan it's different than if you go to china with the (laughs) Zedong. <laughs> so just him sure, doing man. that um, that it shook me to my core. <laughs> <laughs> what a good writer he is. I'm yeah. glad you, you then, uh, how um, did you pick this Scott? Yeah uh, what's that? How did you suggest this one?
0: It, uh, it's just a story that I like from Clark. okay, um, you'd read it before. Yeah yeah. yeah it's uh, it's a good one. It's just um, fantastic. Now another um, ship that he named was the Contiki. Mm-hmm. I like that. Oh, yes. I mean, he's—I love it. You know, he's thoughtfully naming this stuff. Um, but that—that's cool too.
1: Uh, well, it fits the um, impossible journey of one man across a <laughs> uh, giant across the sea, ocean, the biggest yeah. sea, right?
0: Perfect. Yep. Yeah. Very well um, done. You know, another thing that I was really curious about—maybe one of you two know is that he talks about the prime directive mm. in this, mm-hmm. once there is an alien encounter. And this was written in 71, mm-hmm. and I know that they mentioned the prime directive in Star Trek. Which Amongst is,
1: six or seven other directives, or things that, you know, our main goal, or, you yes, know, they had exactly. other phrases, right?
0: But I'm just wondering, where, do you guys know what the, if the, is, there an, is there an older origin of this prime I th- directive? I think it's actually... the way that it was presented here, is Asimov. That he said, you know humankind has learned from their encounters, like with the American Indians and mm. Africa and how we need to treat others. And this is in 1971, right? Mm-hmm. And he says, and out of that came this prime directive. Mm-hmm. And I was just wondering what's the origin of that? Yeah. So I, I
1: would think it's out of Asimov and his three laws, which, you know, he didn't start with, but, um, a mm. uh, prime sure. just means first. Um, And I mean, it's really interesting thinking about uh, this is I'm talking, you know, with friends years ago about how to be in the world. (laughs) So one of the things I I say is don't lie. Uh, And that doesn't mean seem to be mean all the time. Uh, Say again.
2: I couldn't hear you for. Oh, sorry.
1: Can you okay. hear me,
0: Scott? Yeah, I, I was I was able to hear you.
1: Okay, a little bit of bad internet, uh-huh. it sounds like. Okay. Um, I was I was saying, um, you know, talking with friends years ago, is like how to be in the world. You know, what's going to make you happy? How do you How do you get the results you want? How is it good to help other people? Don't lie. Start with that, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. So why do you do that? Well, because it causes problems. Now, if you say Jesse, what's the password to your bank account? I'm like, fuck you. That's not a lie, right? Mm-hmm. Now, be polite. Um, okay, maybe that that could be a directive, but it ain't the prime directive. Um, and I was thinking, like, well, what it, what would the basis for the prime directive be is uh, don't – this is um, – maybe Ter- Terrence can help me. Uh, is it the it's, categorical it's,
2: imperative? Yeah, it's the categorical
1: imperative, basically. Mm-hmm. Don't use others as a means to an end, right? Um. People, are ends in themselves, don't use others as a mean to an end. So you don't go around lying to people to get what you want because that's wrong. Um, Well, why is it wrong? Maybe it's because it'll hurt you. Maybe that's the reason. I don't know. But what I do know is um, that's the prime directive. Uh, And that's a negative, right? And that's Mm kind of what we have here, the way the prime directive works in this story, is let them get used to you.
0: (laughs) Right, yeah, he said that.
1: Uh, Which is not the Star Trek one, right? The Star Trek one changes from episode to episode, from book to book, from, uh, uh, you know, season to season, and they break it all the time for purposes of plot. Um, but that, yeah, but there's something behind it. And I think it is going back to Asimov's three laws. Reason he has those three laws there are those are how you should act as a person. What are the Asimovian three laws? I can't even remember. And then there's a zeroth law.
2: Yeah. Laws.
1: Asimov.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Let's see.
2: A robot may not injure a human being. Yeah. A robot may not injure a human being to come to harm.
1: Or a human being, or through an action, allow a human being to come to harm. So just replace the word robot with person. A person may not injure a human being, or through an action, allow a human being to come to harm law number two, a robot must obey orders given it by human beings, except where such orders would conflict with the first law. So, now, obey orders? Fuck you, I'm not taking any orders. Um, I would change that for persons to be a human must uh, consider others, except where considering others would injure or allow someone else to be injured. And what does injure mean? Does it mean emotional? No. <laughs> it means, like physical or some some trauma. Not like,
3: your feelings are hurt.
1: Fuck you. Fuck your feelings. Um, and then a robot must protect its own existence as long as such protection does not conflict with the first or second law. Uh, a, a person must protect his or her own existence such as, uh, as as long as such protection does not conflict with the first or second law. So, um, don't, you know, go out of your way to help somebody with something that they don't really need help with. If it's going to hurt you. And Mm. we can't think of it's interesting application to those things. Yeah, It doesn't work, right? It doesn't (laughs) work because we're not robots, but we are beings and agents Mm. acting in the world. And we do have to have uh, a a way methods and um, plans of um, dealing with other people. So I think that that's him. Taking stuff that's coming out of philosophy that is Asimov, um, and then Clark's doing the same thing. I don't know that he he watched Star Trek. I don't think that
0: that's well. That, that's the thing. I wasn't assuming it came from Star Trek, but it's interesting that both of these things from the same time period hmm. were discussing the same things. I think it's parallel so, Tar- evolution. Tariff, do you have huh? any ideas on what a Prime Directive origin would be?
2: No. It seems strange um, that he would, uh, even if we could, that he would come up with the same thing as Star Trek in the same domain. He must have vaguely heard of it at least. I don't. I, I don't I know. When Well, you know, when does what... Asimov have the fourth law? A um, uh, robot must not um, uh, harm humanity, or through inaction allow humanity to come to harm isn't that in the later books? Yeah, I
0: think you're right.
1: Yeah, but that's that the, the first law. law. That's the fir- yeah, so there's the zero th- no, law. No,
2: humanity as a species you could kill people ah. or allow them. Mm. Um if uh humanity was um then it would be maybe the zeroth law. But I think there's a fourth law like that that you, you can um you could conceivably give priority to um Humanity over particular humans.
1: Now, that's the zero. I think law. that's it. That's the zero flaw.
2: That's the zero. Yeah.
1: Which is a yes. later edition, so it is technically fourth,
0: right? <laughs> <laughs> Interesting. But so yeah, so, so the, you know, this in? is all fascinating stuff. But you know, if we think of, you know, one of the uh, things that I'm thinking in a story of called that. the
1: Evitable Conflict, which was
0: 1950. Uh, okay. So, yeah, that's the zero. Yeah. Okay. So, but the oh, uh, 1950. What was, yeah. What was going on in the world at this time, too, right? Um, well, Chairman was- Mao, right? Uh, mm-hmm. uh, uh,
1: this is right after Nixon goes to China, no?
0: Yeah. Yeah, and uh, Vietnam was happening at this time, wasn't it? It's wrapping up, supposedly. Mm-hmm.
1: People are still yeah. there, but yeah, it's wrapping up. Um, there's right. a kind of uh, uh, unfreezing, what, what do they call that, when it was with, with uh, the Soviets detente oh yeah mm-hmm. right um yeah but uh, i love you could tell this even if you didn't read any of the um the text or the ideas you could still tell this was written by uh arthur c clark because sri lanka gotta play a role <laughs> 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 or india anyways um yeah. and he has a few other things like uh when he was a boy he saw a tornado touchdown you know in the united states like that never happened to clark um because he wasn't a boy in the United States, as far as I know. Um, but he's, he's really good. I mean, this is an, uh, this is hard SF. Uh, doesn't cheat at all. His, his, um, description of, I mean, this is an airship book. I love airships. Um, it's more of a hot air balloon than it is, uh, anything else, even though they like on Jupiter, um, <laughs> What, what can, what hot air can you use that's lighter than, than hydrogen? Hmm. Mm -hmm. Hot hydrogen. (laughs) Right. Of course. And it's like, I, I wouldn't have thought of that right away. Anyways, he's, he's thinking, he's thinking through the scenario before he writes the story, before he creates a character. And then we, we get that twist at the end that brings it up, uh, out of, you know, the, just the atmosphere of Jupiter and Earth. And like, this guy's immortal. What the hell? <laughs> he's going to be, he's, he's,
2: well, he a, a, uh, a, a, a fa- could be very long living unless all his parts can be constantly re replaced like a, a ship of Theseus. Yeah. Scenario. I mean, uh, I got the Even sense that his,
1: his brain was still bio. So I, I'm thinking he's a cyborg, but he's a hero yes. now. And then he, he rolls away at 30 kilometer, uh, a calm 30 kilometers <laughs> an hour. <laughs> <laughs> Which means he can go
2: really fast when he's not calm.
1: And he's seven feet tall. <laughs> it's like, yeah, well, okay. The human race has become for more psychological for reasons
2: him. to to give him confidence, Um, so he could heal better. Yeah, they could have made him like a normal human in size. Yeah, but to give him self confidence, they made him seven foot tall.
0: Yeah, yeah, it was pretty cool. And then um, I really do like the idea of him feeling separate from humanity too. Yeah. Um at the at the end of the story, you know, he refers He's, to humans as other other things. Mm-hmm. He's, He's the ambassador
1: between the two the the two hu- kinds of humans, the mm-hmm. ones made of carbon and the ones made of silicon.
3: Mhm. Um what
1: what do we and think s- of what do we think of the aliens because they're not in most of the story. Then we get to them and people are excited. What's ha- what's what's going on I mean, obviously the radio dish faces <laughs> or heads or whatever is amazing. But uh, do we get a sense of, are they intelligent?
2: Uh, it seems to be because the friend at the end says, I'm convinced that the uh, that Medusa um, knew that coming down onto you from directly above was your blind spot.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Isn't that? Yeah. So that seems to be... They're hunting, right? It was, uh, uh, yes, that was the affirmation that made me uh, a bit wonder that um, the intelligent species must be the predator species. Mm-hmm. So first he thinks that the mantas are the most intelligent um, because they uh, hunt um, uh, the medusas. Mm-hmm. But then the medusa seems to use a sort of a feint. Um, it sort of drops and then... Um, shoots up a, a, a lightning bolt. Mm-hmm. And I was wondering, why did, why is it called not a meeting with a Medusa or with the Medusa, but with Medusa? Mm. And Medusa's jellyfish, okay, mm-hmm. why not? But in what ca- way is it Medusa? And I thought maybe the lightning bolt, well, this is uh, up for grabs, I don't know the answer. But I thought maybe the lightning bo- bolt um, made... The closest um, or the aimed at uh, Manta just fall like stone afterwards.
1: Mm. Mm-hmm. Well, so Jupiter, was, Jupiter uh, uh, is a uh, lightning bolt god too, right? <laughs> so he's playing with true. We've got Jupiter, we've but got it's Jupiter also something gods, that's real, right? It. You also do have these these. You know, there are electrical storms on Jupiter, as far as I remember.
2: But why is it Medusa? and not a Medusa or the Medusa. Mm. Well,
1: because it turned to stone, right? And also well, turn that mirror the at the, the end, to stone. when we see him what at the end, he, what? Sorry, when we see him at the end, he's not a human. He's
2: turned, he's he's solid, turned to silicon. So he, was, he was subjectively still human, even though his body was um, um, mostly metallic. Mm-hmm. And then um, when he comes back, he is subjectively um, uh, uh, identified with his um, metallic aspect. so he has been uh, turned to stone, uh, medusified yeah. mm. to stone. But uh, as well, there's the plummeting manta. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I like that.
1: That's why. Cool. Uh, so this doesn't need a sequel. Like we don't need to go. S- I mean, I, no. I, I would. I would like someone else to say. Here's what, uh, I've studied a lot of jellyfish. Uh, you know, there's right now, I, I listen to, um, what's his name, uh, Juliana and Luke on the Science Fiction Book Review podcast, and they read a lot of modern books. Um, and I pity them because I don't want to be them. <laughs> I don't want to read modern books. Um, and they've been reading a lot of books with um, aliens that are like uh, octopuses. And sometimes they do a good job. That's the
2: Ray Ray Naylor book, which um, lots of people are saying is incredibly intelligent. Right. So they're a minority view on that. I Um, haven't read it yet.
1: Yeah, and there's also, they talk about spiders. So, you know, these eight-legged creatures that are not human, um, I'm reading them and I'm like, yeah, well, if you went and studied um, ants and you did a really, really good job of studying ants and thinking about ants, and then you say, there's a story to be told here and you do a good job with it. I'm, I'm down with it. But, <laughs>
2: <laughs> yes.
3: but
1: I don't want you to tell me a novel. I want you to tell me the story that's the length of the story that's required to do, to do the job. And this, I think is interesting because it's a novel novella, right? It's an hour and a half or something like that. Um, mm-hmm. it's not going to, be a novel, so it's not going to get the attention that novels get. It's not a short story that you can consume in an afternoon or, you know, in a half hour. Um, it's somewhere in between. Why is that? It's because it has these two parts, right? It's the uh, part on Earth and the part on Jupiter. Now, what do we get from the part on Earth? We get a view of humanity, and what do they got? They got those super chimps, right? Or the simps. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Uh, also called Sims, yeah.
1: Right, and they're wearing clothes, and they're essentially slaves. And we were so far in the future that uh, Mao Zedong's uh, aircraft carrier in the American Museum is brought out of mothballs in order to give the Queen Elizabeth the Fourth a flight. So we're at least a hundred years in the future, right? At least, probably more than that. And we get this view of the Earth, uh, from the point of view of a guy who's not super interested in it. He just wants to do his thing, which is, you know, test out this airship and be a sort of a, uh, a pioneer. And there's the accident. And he does it again. He goes out in a place where no one else could go. It turns out.
2: I had no idea. So he becomes a super pioneer. Yeah. And, 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 instead of it ruining his life, he becomes a super pioneer.
1: And I think, like, if you start thinking about why this, this book exists, um, this is like the opposite of, of the space bus or moon bus book. It's because that one, he's trying to conform. He's trying to say, this is what the people want. They want, uh, so, sort of shitty, uh, romance, you know, cheating on your wife stuff, um, you know, disaster, something relatable. <laughs> I can see, like, somebody <laughs> pitching uh, Clark's um, uh, agent saying, you got to make something relatable if you want to make a lot of money in Hollywood. And he's like, no, I'm more like this guy. <laughs> and he is, right? He's not, um, I, I rewatched, uh, I, I had seen some of it when I was a kid, I guess. Arthur C. Clark's Mysterious World. Arthur C. Clarke's this. Uh, he did like three series where he basically looks at weird phenomena, stuff we would say is, you know, fringe. Um, and he he takes it all very, very seriously and basically concludes there's almost nothing, none of it is really uh, that interesting. That's a very strange thing to do, right? Like This is a really weird guy. His level, his brain level is operating on a level I'm not saying he's super genius of smarter than everybody else he's just not interested in the normal things that most people are interested so what does he do he goes to sri lanka and says my new my new hobby is exploring the ocean because it's as close to actual outer space as i can get it's so Hmm. interesting down there right he's like jacques Hmm. Cousteau, but not trying to make money at it or you know have a tv show he's just doing that as a personal interest and then he's doing that for all the other stuff all the time too he's collecting collecting notes on re, uh, hailing frogs and stuff like that so just a super strange guy and that's not the normal science fiction writer right i i'm trying to think of anybody who's like him and there's almost it's like maybe maybe that uh, uh the guy who wrote Sirius and um for uh, first Olaf Stapleton. Yeah, Olaf. Mabel, Mabel, maybe, maybe a little bit like Olaf Stapleton, but I don't know much about his personal life, right? I don't know mm-hmm. much about Olaf Stapleton's personal life, but they're not interested in like the low-level, easy, slow pitch. Uh, you know, like what <laughs> if you said Arthur C. Clarke, you're going to hell? He's like, oh dear, I didn't even think it existed. What's it going to be like? And he says, you're going to have to watch the. Foundation television series and enjoy it. <laughs> I don't think he could. I think he'd be a very yeah. upset about this, and not. You'd uh, have to develop a deep philosophy to to deal with it because that's not the level he's operating
2: on. Howard Falcon. He's sort of like Hal. Yes. Um, I'm yes. afraid that that's that would not be possible to watch mm-hmm. Foundation. Yeah. And Jesse, yeah, I'm yeah. afraid that's not going to be possible. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and,
1: and, and if you think yeah. about how Hal works too, right? The, uh, he's got conflicting orders. Whose team are we on? We're on team human, we think, but look at it from his point of view. Mm-hmm. Right. And then, you know, I mean, it's, it's well done in the film, but. Um, if you read The Sentinel, right? It's a, it's a story that makes you say, wow, what's out there? Wow, what possibilities we have.
0: Yeah, and that's what Clark constantly does. Totally. For me. I mean, th- this story is just full of philosophical things and, and, uh, ooh, wow things, you know, sense of wonder things. But, but not, it's, not like fake, right? Right. No, it's agree, all agree. earned.
1: Yeah. There isn't Mm -hmm. a part where you said, well, that couldn't happen. You say, no, that if, if this, then that.
0: Yeah. You know, I was, um, Jesse, you and I have had this discussion a lot of times. And we we mentioned, like, current science fiction or recent science fiction. Mm -hmm. Um, But on BookTube, I was watching somebody. His name is Criminali. Mm-hmm. I think you might like him actually. He's he he does a lot of things, but you can imagine he he does a lot of crime novels.
3: Mm, yeah.
0: Um. He, he actually founded a an event on BookTube that they do every year called Garb August, where <laughs> they read nothing <laughs> but garbage for a month, <laughs> and just you know just all. Hey, my books
1: season. being read on Garb August! Yay! Yes. <laughs>
0: So it's good stuff, but he, he did a little video. He says why I don't like science fiction and fantasy. I think I saw someone responding to that video. Yeah, yeah, uh-huh. but it was it was a really good point. You know, I listened to him and he said, you know what, I really don't like that. Um, and he's you know super respectful. He, he's he's a great guy. He's not trying to tear anybody down or anything. But hmm. he says, you know what, I don't like that. Um, a lot of people in science fiction and fantasy seem to absolutely love is world building. Mm. He says, the world building just turns me completely off. Yeah, And um, I think that that crystallized something in my head about what I don't haven't enjoyed much about the current state of science fiction. Mm. And there's always exceptions, but it's really, you know, coming up with a world and then coming up with these rules for the world, whether it be science fiction or fantasy, they, they seem to be identical right now. Mm hmm um and there's no there's no
1: distinction between the two because really nobody is a science fiction person
0: really (laughs) right right it's just in a science fiction setting it's all space opera you know and you know they just try to come up with these cool ideas about how the world works yeah and then as you're reading it or as i read it um i always come to a point and and i I, I very recently tried a few more (laughs) Um, testing your theory Testing my head, but it was before I had this theory. It was like, you know, I'm just like, you know, I really want to be engaged with the the current science fiction world. But I, mm-hmm. over the last, it's been probably 10 years now. Yeah, you're turning um, into
1: Jesse. I just can't do
0: it, right. <laughs> but, the, but I think that that's the thing. It's because that's what it is. It's... Um, I think that's why you know, we have like, to be like so an
1: example, annoying example, about terms.
0: Is, here's, here's a book that I enjoyed that I've read recently. Mm-hmm. The Kaiju Preservation Society. Uh, right, I heard about that one. Okay, so I enjoyed it. It was fun. But you're reading these info dumps of things that are absolutely not even true. <laughs> right? <laughs> it's made of facts, right, about this. <laughs> and as we're sitting here talking about R.C. Clark and you're saying, well, he doesn't cheat. He doesn't do this. It feel, it, you know, it's like you're reading about possibility here and the the ooh wowness doesn't come through in the kaiju book there is no ooh, wildness it's more isn't this coolness yeah cool but versus here, sense here of wonder this this sense of wonder thing that comes through is about the possibilities like what is Jupiter like what would it, you know mm-hmm. what is it really like could there really be could you explore it yeah right. if you
1: if you if you can survive 30 gravities yeah no problem right
0: exactly. But, so, I, I like what you have to say about how Arthur C. Clarke is honest, and he's, you know, you keep using the word solid, but he doesn't cheat is something that kind of rings true to me. He's, he doesn't write he's stories using, he's based on, on what, ideas. He's standing on what he knows.
1: Yeah, he doesn't write stories based on ideas that he think would be cool. <coughs> he writes right. stories based on realities that he think might be might be interestingly explored. Hmm. Right? Yeah, and I, right. So he's not, so, he's yeah. not a cheater. Uh, right. So uh, when Larry Evan cheats, it's so he can get to another thing, right? He cheats in order so he can get to another thing, and I'm fine with that,
0: right? He says, yeah, and, and I think a lot of science fiction uh, twists something. It's like it's like a thing in order to get you into the story. Though um, Star Trek, the original series, has some episodes maybe a third of them that are really good science fiction.
1: Well, let's, <laughs> let's, let's define our terms a little bit. Sure. Is there, are there any Star <laughs> Trek episodes, original series that are hard SF
0: of the original series?
1: Yeah. Um, the closest they come, the uh-huh. only one that I can think of that is the closest they come is the Galileo seven.
3: Mm,
1: and the reason okay. that one is, is because it's a ripoff of the cold equations. Which is a hard SF story. Now, they cheat <laughs> because Spock gambles. He says, what if, uh, there's another spaceship out there on the way in between us? It, oh, I'm, that's not actually what happens, but it'd be like in the cold equations. You know, there's a percentage chance that there's going to be a passing alien spaceship, uh, that's not zero. It's going to be a percentage, a low percentage. Should we gamble on it? And they do, and then they're saved, right? And mm-hmm. we would say, that's shitty. Because why did I read this story? The whole point was, um, you can't be saved. The point of that. So, in the Galileo 7, they get to have their cake and eat it, too. They kill off a couple red shirts, right? Um, and they have angry, angry fights about, you know, whether it's okay to gamble or or be hard about these things, right? McCoy saying to Spock, you inhuman monster, we need to bury those guys. And then there's big giant guys outside, you know, who thre- threatening them. And Spock's being very logical. So they get to have their cake and eat it too. And it's not, that's why it doesn't feel like hard SF. That's as close as they come. The rest of Star Trek is either a little bit of fan service. Ep- there's a couple fan service episodes written by fans. They're just not good episodes. Maybe they're cute. Maybe there's... Some interesting scene in them, but really they're not memorable episodes. And then there's all the other ones, which is about, uh, social soft science. Like, how do we deal with other people? Uh, what should our relationships between nations be? Uh, w- what, what is the basis of racism? Like, all that sort of stuff, the good stuff, right? So what we've got mostly got now, in my sense of a lot of the books that are being written, is people watch a lot of, uh, a lot of television and movies with spaceships in it. And they said, I can make up my own rules. And uh, wouldn't it be cool if, and that is not science fiction. It looks like science fiction because it has the spaceships. It has aliens. So it looks like science fiction, but how many aliens does Arthur C. Clarke throw into his stuff? Almost none. Right. It's because he doesn't
0: cheat. His most famous stuff has aliens in it, I think.
1: Yeah, and and Mm -hmm. Childhood's End.
0: Yeah, exactly. Even even the star, right? Uh,
1: Even the star. And how much do we? How much time do we? Like in Childhood's End, um, they're hiding themselves from us because it's telling us something about ourselves, right? So he's doing soft science fiction there. Yeah, he's doing sci. He's doing a kind of science fiction. A lot of people they just don't do that. So when uh, a criminali says why I don't like science fiction and fantasy books, uh, look, fantasy is a whole other thing, <laughs> right? <laughs> um, but what he means by science fiction is he's not like Ted Chang. Okay, you show me where Ted Chang cheats, mm, and I will yeah. tell you you're a liar because he doesn't cheat. <laughs> he's not a cheater. He mm-hmm. doesn't write stories because he has a cool idea. He has a cool thought or an interesting thought and then says, is there a story that can be constructed to get to this cool thought? And the mm. answer is yes. He yeah. Always, very always good. Nails it. Mm-hmm. And, and, and some of them are even fantasy stories, but they're still, they're, they're not cheating. Right. The you know, yeah. merchant and the alchemist skate doesn't cheat. Follows mm. the rules. And the rules are thinking it through. Not what would be Cool. Yeah, yeah.
2: So, Clark is the winner. Yep.
1: Uh, and you know, he's a you know, this is not a story where you say, "I love um, what's his name, Falcon, Howard Falcon." I can't love him; he's <laughs> unlovable. But what you can do is <clears throat> ride with him and have the experience. And right, no, and no other human characters in the book are are super interesting, right?
0: Uh, yeah, was, and so there was a sequel written. Was um, there? I know we were talking about that, but not by Clark. It mm. was. It's called. It's a novel called "The Medusa Chronicles." Okay. By Stephen Baxter and Alistair Reynolds.
1: Now, Stephen Baxter is the guy who wrote a lot of co-authored stuff, right? With um Asimov after he died, or was that?
0: I don't remember him Clark as well. Uh, was it
1: Clark? Uh, maybe it was yeah. Clark.
0: Yeah. It seems to me. Didn't he? Yeah. I'm trying to figure out which novels those were, um, Time Ships or something like
1: that. Yeah, that sounds right. Oh, that's with Wells, though, right?
2: That's a sequel. That's a really brilliant sequel to Wells because it oh, very good. begins straight uh, off from the last uh, um, page of um, the Time Machine, and it carries on in the same style.
1: He did that uh, Time Odyssey with Clark. With Clark.
0: Yeah, The the Massacre yes. of Mankind is a sequel to War of the Worlds by Baxter. Is that any good?
1: I've not read any Baxter. I don't know that one. Okay. He also co authored yeah. with Terry
0: Pratchett. Yeah, and I'm That's looking even through this. Worse. But anyway, anyway. Um, Terrence, did you say you read part of this novel?
2: Yes, because um, uh, it begins with filling in on the childhood of Howard Falcon. And how he came to to get his um, uh, career ambition, and I thought it, it, it's like um, when Star Trek goes back and explains um, the early life of of, of Kirk and spark Spock. Uh, um, we it, it's there's there's some fallacy involved. Uh, we don't really want to know. Unless it's done incredibly well and it's totally reconceptualized, but for what purpose for the is the question?
1: Why do we need to spend any time backstorying uh, w- William Shatner's character? W- what does it matter? Unless there's an idea. Yes, there, we
2: don't care. Well,
1: it's just a way of filling pages or you know running time in between ads or whatever. And that's why it's shit. So when when you have a regular Star Trek, I, I during COVID I rewatched. Uh, almost every episode of the original Star Trek and all the other Star Treks do. Um, and one of the things I was like noting is like, you know, this episode, we find out Kirk has a brother. Why? <laughs> because he's murdered at the beginning of the episode, right? And he says, it's my brother, right? And then we find out um, uh, there's there was a massacre on some planet and you know, his brother was witness to it, right? So, it's just to, like, raise the stakes for that particular, you know, making the Holocaust personal, right? Because otherwise, it's like, why does the captain care so much? So, the only reason he has a brother is so, or whatever, you know, relationship it is, is just to do a, a technical job. It's like a, it's a, it's a Chekhov's gun on the wall, right? That's the only reason it's there. And, and when... Uh, Spock has eyelids that prevent him from going blind during, right? The only reason Vulcans have that is because they're, they need to press the reset button, not because it's important. It's, it's a technical requirement of a, uh, of a a show where it's not serialized, where it's, uh, it's just a reset button at the end of the episode. And a lot of the stuff that we think of as, oh, that's a Spock a Spock thing, a Vulcan nerve pinch, any of that shit, not good, not interesting. And people get confused, because, you know, you're a little kid, you think, oh, Vulcan nerve pinch, yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> Wouldn't that be cool?
3: <clears throat> it's like, yeah.
1: the ears are not what make Mr. Spock, Mr. Spock, it's him uh, trying, uh, being an emotional, be- who's, who was talking about this? An emotional being who is a very emotional being who is uh, desperately controlling his emotions at all times. Right, the the mm. logic of Mister Spock is what makes him alien, not the ears, or the Vulcan nerve pinch, or the Vulcan mm. eyelids when he needs them. Yeah. Uh, him being a, a a spawning salmon, the Theodore Sturgeon episode, right? A mock time, that's uh awesome. But I don't ever need to see that ever again. And yet, what do they do on Star Trek? Do it every fucking time they bring up a Vulcan, <laughs> right? And not even every yeah. seven years, it's every seven episodes, it seems like. Or maybe seventeen episodes. So mm. yeah, that, I would just say like he's right that guy's probably right about why he doesn't like science fiction and fantasy. Uh because most of it is crap and he's not being exposed to the good stuff. Which, you know, you have yeah. to dig
0: back. Yeah. And he, he did say dig around. he did say there's exceptions, there's things that he likes. But that was the name of the video. Mm-hmm. He was just explaining. I, I thought it was just a very good point.
1: Yeah, the guy I saw a response video to from, um, he I don't remember what his YouTube, he's bald. He has a mummy behind him. Oh, yeah, Michael K. Vaughn. That sounds, yeah, Michael K. Vaughn. Yep. He did a response video, and he, his was not disrespectful to the other video. He was saying, here's what I like, and he pulled out a big stack of books like he always does. Mm-hmm. And he goes through the video, you know, that, that kind of booktubing. I'm down with. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he has good taste. Sure. It seems like, although yeah. he reads a lot more than I can possibly read. Uh-huh.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you bet. You bet. Yeah. I like him quite a bit. He's good. Both He's of a good them, YouTuber. Them, yeah.
1: I'll watch the other guy's
0: video now too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Criminally. Uh,
1: yeah. So I think the reason he probably did that is because people say, why don't you? Right, that's mm-hmm. a question that oh, comes yeah. up
0: always. Yeah, why not? Why aren't you know? Here's here's a recommendation and all that. Yeah,
1: yeah. Uh, uh, you, um, Terence, you were, you seem to know. You seem to be following, um, Luke Burge's podcast better than I am because you know the name of the author of the book
3: <laughs> that
1: I was Ray talking Miller. about. It's
2: yeah. a big thing in, in, in France, is it? Okay, I and know, it's going yeah. to be amongst the uh, uh, Ficionados who um, read English because it's going to be translated um, um, and published to next year I think
0: what, so, so there's the book a lot of
2: people saying how intelligent it is the and mountain I, I began sea? it and I found it boring sorry it, what's the na- name of the book um it the mountain and the it, sea um,
0: yeah it's called the yes. mountain in the sea yeah.
3: right
1: I'm looking yes.
0: at it here um and you're, you're quite into philosophy, aren't you, Terrence? Yes. <laughs> yeah, so uh, I'm just looking at the reviews of this and everything. I have not read this book, but it certainly feels like they're coming at it from a philosophical side and they're saying it's um, quite good when it comes to that. But, he, but you you found it boring, you said.
2: Well, I couldn't get into it, but um, it was sort of uh, setting the scene before anything um, uh, noticeably um, strange happened. Okay. So uh, I'm, uh, yeah. I'm open on the question of whether it's good or not, but uh, okay. I had trouble getting into it. And, <clears throat> gotcha. Um,
1: Here's the question I, I have. A, a book... How long is it? That's how I judge books. By their cover <laughs> and how long they are. 456 pages it says. The cover is bad. It's not the worst I've ever seen, but it's bad. It's just a blue background with a black tentacles. Yeah. So uh, I judge books by I the covers and how long they are. Mm-hmm. Doesn't need to be this long, and if so, why? Mm-hmm. And the answer, but it's is poignant it.
0: and mind-expanding. Those are words. <laughs> Those are English words. Yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah the uh, you know the UK seems to do covers just so much better than yes the United States does. But there's I'm um, putting a. Note in the chat here or Idla link, and that has the cover of the UK edition, which is really quite nice.
1: It's taking its time, so <clears throat> I'll just see if uh, I can uh, find that by typing yeah. it in.
0: It's just it's raynailer.net for ah. listeners. Yeah.
1: Ray, and it's Naylor's dot N-A- R.net. .net. So, what you're saying it's uh, it's, it's going to be tr- turned into a movie or something? Is what? that what you're saying?
0: No, no, not for me. Oh, Terrence, okay, go ahead.
1: Uh,
2: now it's just going to be translated into French.
1: Oh, I see. So they're excited about it being oh, translated
2: because they heard yes, good things because about it. Some of it. them have read it and they thought it was brilliant.
1: So it's uh, this, my, yeah, it's US paperback edition, actually, Scott. That's what that says. Oh, is it? Um, oh. U.S. Paper Dact- oh, yes, edition, June 2023. <laughs> it's got a Cthulhu looking head, uh, <laughs> and it's sort of oh, Japan style, Japanese style. It's uh, looking art. right at us. It, it is. Yes. Um, maybe this book is necessary. Maybe. <laughs> now, there's another, there's another cover with more tentacles. I don't know. I, I've never been a tentacle guy. I love Lovecraft and I've read a lot of Lovecraft and he almost doesn't ever talk about tentacles. (laughs) But people think, you know, I think cosmic horror, for some reason they think tentacles equals cosmic horror.
0: Well, if, uh, you know, speaking of Lovecraft, I'm following on Instagram a guy that's down in Antarctica. Mm -hmm. So I'm ready if anything happens down there (laughs) from all the melting and stuff. He'll find it, and he'll... Uh, I'll make sure you know, Jesse. Thank
1: you. The, the, I expect yeah. him to find a giant frozen... Uh, penguin. Like, uh-huh. you know, about 17 feet tall. Yeah, penguin. yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And then when he unfreezes it, it'll say... <laughs> <laughs> and
3: then... I That'll
0: will. be an amazing day. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. So... I. Uh, Mm -hmm. I was, I was thinking about, uh, just while you were, uh, saying that, um, Robert E. Howard, um, versus like the philosophies of writing. Uh, Robert E. Howard writes for money, right? He writes as much as he can because he's trying to be a professional writer. He's selling a lot, um, doesn't sell enough, kills himself, but was very successful as a pulp writer, put out a lot and a lot of stuff, like his bookshelf of fiction is got to be at least four times as big as uh h.p lovecraft lovecraft started earlier finished later (laughs) um lovecraft doesn't write stories that don't need to be written right he doesn't say you know what'll make me a lot of money you know what'd be cool he never does that he says i have an idea and he works on it and he works on it and then he's done and then he writes millions of letters are you saying that uh,
0: robert e howard is the same
1: No, Robert E. Howard's the opposite. Robert E. Howard says, um, this is what is selling right now. If I write Mm. that, I can make money. But the difference is Robert E. Howard's writing is incredibly good, even when he's doing very, very pulpy stuff, right? So Mm. we're, we're talking about doing, uh, I'm editing up a show. We're talking about, um, things that are not needed that he puts in there for the story because it'll make the cover. Because that Hmm. gets him a bonus, right? Now, I think a lot of writers are, like, operating like Robert E. Howard does. And the problem with that is they aren't his uh, raw talent. Like, uh, Robert E. Howard is a born storyteller who is super interested in story and really good at writing story. And I think that there's, like, a lot of people who think that that's who they are because they like stories, too. But they don't have his passion. And so... You know, they just don't have the chops. And and then there's other people like Lovecraft <clears throat> who won't write for the commercial market, was uh, antagonistic to commercialism. And I think it's interesting because in Clark, we've got a bit of both. He is uh, dipping his toe into the commercial market with Moonbus uh, book. Um, and... Obviously, the collaborations with Stephen Baxter when he's el- very elderly, um, and the guy says, Hey, uh, your publisher says you need a co-author to make some money. He says, that's fine. Right. He's sort of sullying his legacy, in my view. Um, because, uh, maybe m- look, maybe, uh, The Light of Other Days, uh, co-authored with Stephen Baxter is a great book. But I remember these books coming out and I was getting very disenchanted with Arthur, Arthur C. Clarke when I was reading his co-authored shit. Mm-hmm. Uh Asimov same, right? Like anything yeah. co-authored. I was like Nightfall like with Silverberg. Jin- uh, yeah. Just garbage books. Because they are making their cash-ins. You know, I get it. People want to make have money. Um but as a reader, I don't have to be subject to the whims of the author, right? And this goes back to the, you know my prime directive: <laughs> try not to hurt <laughs> other people, try and be nice to other people, don't lie to people. And so if you say um, this is a really good book, it's amazing, and you're you, you're saying that because your friend wrote the book and you don't believe it, but you think you can milk some money out of me, fuck you, right? That's not nice. You shouldn't be. Your prime directive is broken. Go back to print basic principles. So. I, I, it's interesting because Clark has a purity in him at times, and I think that that's mostly what we're seeing here. It's, it's very, very pure, like his his uh, sh- two other short stories that were bundled with this audiobook, the um, and even that title, "Light of Other Days." It's a ripoff of a. Of a short story called that, and
0: yeah, and I think that's what that is. I think Silverberg did some of that with Asimov too. Yeah, and I think it's an expansion of the short story. Uh, well, actually,
1: yeah, the Bob Shaw one. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Let's we'll see. So Silverberg did because um, that's Bob Shaw's only success, as far as I remember. Is he just had this one story idea that was like brilliant, real hard <laughs> SF and uh, to- poignant, works together. Mm. Um And then, you know, you can't make money from a short story, apparently. So,
3: yeah,
1: write, write a big novel. It'll be a hit on the New York Times bestseller lie list about what's actually a good selling book.
2: Mm. Well, that was the good thing about Talisman um, mm. with, by Peter Strobe and Stephen King. Um, At a certain point, you were trying to figure out who wrote what, and I said, Oh, that was um, Black House. So far, yeah,
1: I didn't read Talisman. That was a, as a, Black House. What Black House? I didn't read Talisman.
2: Yeah, sorry, Black House. I said that it was insofar as it was a collaboration that worked. You shouldn't be trying even, or mm. you shouldn't be able to know who wrote what. And um, that was a real co- collaboration. with um, It seems to were, have been uh, integration. They're integrated, ideas. right? They're integrated, and so it was a necessary book compared to the. Asimov, uh, Silverberg, and the uh, Clark Baxter books, which hmm. were less necessary. Yeah. And the um, Reducer Chronicles even less de- necessary, probably.
1: Well, I, I, I would presume it's just another book by another person. It's not like, you know, you present me uh, with um, somebody of... Uh, of the stature of Olaf Stapleton, right? You say, here, Olaf Stapleton wrote this. I'm like, wait, wait, wait. I didn't hear about this book before? Let's check it out. Because he doesn't... He didn't write for cash. If he did, maybe that was the unique fluke, right? Mm-hmm. I, I think it's interesting, too. And I'm interested in King because his psychology is... I, I am modeling it. And I'm like, um, his psychology is... He has a, a prime directive, but it's, it's like, it's got a, like a governor on it or a limiter on it. And it, it fucks around with his things because he's just, he is like Robert E. Howard. He's like a natural writer, just, and he can make money really easily. Um, which Howard couldn't. Um, but, uh, he doesn't use it for evil generally, right? Stephen King, but mm-hmm. he also doesn't use it for good. But he he doesn't have an axe to grind exactly, and when he does, it sort of hurts his own work. He's more he's much more he's he's like a fantasist of of childhood and um American life. It's a it's a we don't normally think of Stephen King as a fantasy writer, even though he has some explicitly fantasy books.
0: Mm Hmm. Sure. Yeah.
1: So, like, I don't think um. Uh, in your video, uh, why I don't like science fiction fantasy? It's not going to bring up Stephen King because we just don't think of him that way. Mm-hmm. It's because other people like they're operating explicitly in the in the quote unquote fantasy realm, like Goblin Emperor book or you know all the Elantris stuff, all that uh you know secondary world fiction uh, where you get a map and <laughs> start making up tribes and. Yeah, uh, world building. I agree. It, it, it's mostly bad, right? Unless you've got it, some it, reason it, it's for it.
2: Silly world building. Yeah, um, yeah. It's in just, the, yes, the yes, Jupiter.
1: But, yeah, go for it.
2: In the Jupiter chapters, he's doing um, world building. <laughs> um,
1: uh,
2: well, he's laying out the world he,
1: that that exists there and that we can interpret well, from. That's it. He, he, yeah,
2: he's showing. Um, in fact, for me, there's a. Um, a direct line between, um, 2001, um, a space odyssey, which is, uh, uh, three years before the novel is. Wow. Um, where, um, it goes through the model, this has a psychedelic experience. Mm-hmm. And here, um, uh, he just goes to Jupiter and he has a psychedelic experience that we can, um, explain, um, scientifically in a, a way that doesn't, take away the psychedelic and sense of wonder um, quality of the experience. Yeah. So he's doing world building, but it's intelligent world building, and the rules are not just silly rules um, <coughs> uh, made up to give what could be. To fill pages, my friend, to fill pages. Yes. A world, because if you probably, if you try to – if to hire a god to build the world on those principles that would just uh, fall apart in a marsh. Yes. But, um, it is world-building. It's it's not like um, uh, novels uh, set uh, on Earth um, in a, a well-known city. And um, there is a speculative component. The the sensory um, uh, impact of the um uh, the, the trip is um, speculative, mm-hmm. but highly informed. Yep. And uh, the physical details are even more highly informed. But it's still world-building for me. Uh, okay. and I, uh, you could get... you That's right. It's
0: a different class. Yeah. You know, it's like, again, he's standing on what is known and speculating. But uh, the
1: speculations are not wild. They are right. uh, like, he says, if there was life, it would be in this zone, right?
0: Yeah, um, it feels, it feels quite different to me than. Oh, it's totally like, different. Like that kaiju book uh, of Scalzi, which again, I enjoyed. It was just fun. But, you know, when you're reading a, a, a couple of pages of info dump on, you start to wonder about your purpose. <laughs> in life, you know what I mean? No. You're like, none of this is, uh, Why am I reading helping this? me in my yes. life in any way. Yes. You know what I mean? It's
1: just filling pages or filling time. And look, that's actually how I, I use a computer game, right? I don't play the computer game because it makes me smarter. I think about, I think about what happens during the game because I'm, you know, intellectualizing it. But the reason I play the game is to fill time between like, sometimes I'm processing a, a magazine and it takes a lot of computer cycles. So I go to the other computer <laughs> and mm-hmm. while it's processing, that's happening. Or I've been sitting too long and I only play computer at the standing desk, right? So that solves that. Or I have a certain number of hours before I need to fall asleep. So <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> it's, it's a, it's a, it, and that's fun, but it ain't a novel, right? And it ain't, it ain't good science fiction. Um, and you can say, yeah, it's like science fiction, but I was thinking about what would um, our guy from YouTube think about Philip K. Dick. Now, think about his novels, right? Mm-hmm. Does he do world building? Yes. Is the world building there because he is trying to make a magic system work? No, because they're science fiction books, we think. Why are the things happening in the book? Because they have to. In a certain sense, like, uh, in a book like Counterclock World, right? Where at a certain point, time started going backwards. Why did that happen? Because what, what would that mean if time started going backwards? And he's trying to figure out his own, like, weird experiences. He th- thinks, I, I have this experience of, like, thinking I'm, I'm still in the Roman Empire. How is this possible? Right? And he thinks about that. And then he says, well, this. And then he spins up a world in order to explore it, not to fill pages. Now, sometimes some of the books don't work that well. Uh, but in his best book, uh, his best novel, and his novels, I, I said this on Twitter the other day, and I thought about it. it's still true. Um, his novels are all worse than his short stories. His short stories are just much better science fiction or fantasy, whatever it is. They're just better. Because he's much better at constructing short stories than he is at novels. Um, in *Man in the High Castle* is a really good book, but it's a novel, and his short stories are better than that book. Um, the only exception I can think of is, and it's still it's got flaws because it's a novel, is uh, *Galactic Pot Healer*. And that world he built up uh, in a short uh, in a in a children's book. He wrote a children's book that didn't get published until after he died. Um, and then he used that setting to tell an adult story in the book that got published while he was alive, uh, Galactic Pod Healer. And he said, you know, uh, I want to explore the idea of work and being out of work. And so he built up a world in which it's a frontier, Evan's pointing out, where people are challenged to find meaningful work. And what is meaningful work? And you go through the stages of getting excited about doing some meaningful work. And then coworkers. Like, that's what that book's about. That's a weird idea. He didn't do it because he read this cool book or he saw this TV show and they had robots and he likes robots. Like, I thought that was really cool. That gunfight was really cool. It's nothing like that. Right? If he has a robot in there, it's because some people act like robots. Right, they just do their job and they keep their head down and they, you know, or they're unemotional or they're mean. Um, and you know, what about uh, sex with coworkers? Is that cool? He's very, he has a character who's very excited to get into a girl's pants and she's like, I'm more interested in the job right now, but I'm not putting that uh, option off the table. And he, so, like, he's doing everything is very fun and very rich. He didn't write that world because he needed a setting for some characters. He's exploring an idea, and I, I think, if you if your story doesn't have idea at its core, it's not science fiction.
2: I'm not sure what well, that's. Is. That's what I think the prime di- directive is of science fiction. Uh, uh, live with an idea. Hmm. Imagine with an, with ideas. Mm-hmm. If there's right. no idea behind it. It's, um, uh, going to fall apart. That isn't that uh, the title of one of, um. Yeah, it is a Philip Kadix. K. K. Yeah. S. How to right. build a world that doesn't fall, to fall apart, apart, apart in five
1: minutes or something like that. Yeah. Olaf Stapleton writes science fiction. He doesn't write, uh, novels, right? <laughs> he writes big, long, thick books that aren't novels, that are just science fiction. Like, that's interesting. How do you do that? Well, he just tells a history of, of, the last and first men. Wow, <laughs> there's no character that you follow all the way through, and they're excited about you know their ups and downs. Like, because that's not what it is. It's it's like reading a whole bunch of Clark stories. It's not a novel. It's just a big thick book. Amazing. That's a, a unique in fiction, right? So, yeah, <clears throat> poor guy it's it sucks that he's been uh not enjoying science fiction. There's a lot not to enjoy because <laughs> uh, people are misclassifying it. there it is. How do you build a universe that doesn't that fall doesn't apart fall two apart. days later? yeah
2: yes yeah, well that's the thing the the modern world building um falls apart as soon as you stop propping you it, place it up. Yeah. The book down or, yeah. or 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 even earlier, yeah.
1: Yeah, you until you toss it across the room. <coughs> yeah, cool. I, uh, yeah, I don't have a good theory of fantasy. I can't really, uh, uh, because it's it's pretty big, right? <laughs> I don't really know what fantasy is, but I do know what science fiction is. And most of the people saying this or that book is science fiction are wrong. They're just they're misclassifying it
2: somehow well st- strictly speaking uh, um it's fantasy and even some of the things that are classified as the hardest of the hard science fiction that uh, uh makes an appeal to um downloading uploading your brain and and um, i'm fine so with on. that as long as it's to yeah. get to the thing right so i, I, I always think it's, of okay, but it's not science it's not hard science
1: i, I think of Ringworld. He wants to get to the big object he's built in the sky, right? So he gives us a bunch of things. He gives us aliens, which give us the spaceships uh, that have impenetrable hulls. I, there's a whole bunch of gimmies that he get, gives us. And then he he peoples the spaceship with a plot. The, there's these aliens that are afraid of everything. That's why this expedition is happening. And because they're smart aliens... They get an aggressive species, and they get a lucky speed. Like they, perf- they, they generate a Dungeons and Dragons party before the Dungeons and Dragons party existed, right? A, a, an adventurers group, and they get uh the main character, the stand-in, Larry Niven's character, and they send him off to this big dumb object in the sky. They explore it, and it's just an excuse. The whole book is just an excuse to say, you know you could build a gravitational feeling thing the size of an orbit of earth around a star. That's the whole thing, right? So it's all, it's like complete bullshit book because he, he, he's, he's, everything is fiction. Like everything is fiction. Like there's no metal that, or material that could with, you know, keep that orbit happening. Like it would just fall apart. Right. So, He's 100% cheating. The whole thing. This is his most famous science fiction book. 100% cheater. And it works. Because he has an idea at the core and everything else is to get to that idea. I, I, I think that's brilliant. Most people, you know, they just like the book and don't analyze it as, like, it's a very bad, hard science fiction book because he cheats in every possible way in order to get you to the the concept that actually can't technically work because there's no way to get there. Clark is the opposite. He says, I'm not going to ever cheat, uh, but I have this spiritual yearning and it's possible that given the size of the universe, dot, 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 right? Very, very different philosophies there. Hmm. And I guess he, like, Clark doesn't even cheat in, uh, in the moon Bus book, uh, fall of moon dust, right? Yeah, right. He mm-hmm. doesn't cheat there. Um, yeah. he, he explains it all, you know, the reason this is happening, you know, it's all technically possible. He was wrong mm-hmm. about, pro- probably wrong about the Martian seas, you know, uh, dust seas. That's probably not true. Um, but yeah, but it he was wouldn't the, have known it's that at the knowledge time. of the time. Right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, and yeah, uh, it's not his best book because, you know, we spend all this time on a cruise ship or whatever with a bunch of boring characters. Mm-hmm. And, it, and it's not even a bad book at all. It's just um, people get led astray. So, mm. yeah, Clark, very, very good. Very, very good.
0: I, Super I, good. Uh, dude.
1: And, uh, you know, <laughs> I, I've been reading a lot of Silverberg lately. I'm going to be reading some more oh, Silverberg. Nice. Yeah. Um, and uh, it just so happened I sent you, I didn't send it to Terrence, maybe I tweeted it, uh, the Tor Doubles Library, back when yes. I cared about Tors a lot was when Tor
0: Doubles were a thing. So was that your own personal? No, story? no. I just found okay. a picture
1: on the internet and uh, I, I looked at it. I enhanced it so I could read the titles a little bit better. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I was thinking, like, I think I've read about a third of half of each of those books. Um, and two of them are this book. One is uh, Meeting with the Medusa. I think that's the first book in the Tour Double series and something else on the other side. And uh, another one we're going to do next week is a Silverberg um, that's a two and a half hour um novella and uh i haven't read that one before but I, as i've been reading more silverberg recently i'm like especially with his novels i'm noticing like he's a contemplative dude too but not in the way that any of the other guys are he's got his his um he's sort of artsy <laughs> and literary
2: mm-hmm. yeah
1: right He's uh,
2: it's a very uh, contemplative.
1: Yeah, but he, like, he likes old books. And so he takes a concept like the last Silverberger we did was Heart of Darkness uh, on Another Planet, right? And the guy is uh, the elephants that are being slaughtered for the economy of that, they're sentient, right, in that book. And that's like, oh, that's interesting. And then he's got, you know, human relationships, uh, sex uh, on the brain, like a lot of people do. Um, and the setting there, the, the world building there is to get to the, um, this, uh, spiritual, I don't know, the transcendent point, like what is the purpose of life sort of thing, mm-hmm. which, uh, he's done in other books like the book of skulls and, yeah,
0: and he's yeah. a good writer too. Right. Which helps. Right. Right. Absolutely. I remember a really good story of his called passengers. Yeah, of course. Right. That's
1: that, was, an, yes. that was a classic. Yeah. And that's uh, interesting. There's, there's a lot of stories just like that. But that's the one that is the, the breakout. Uh, maybe, it, maybe it won an award or two. I don't know. But, um, it's, it's one of his most famous works, I would say, mm-hmm. which is interesting. Cause when you start thinking about Silverberg, what is he famous for?
0: Made Magipur, maybe? Yeah. I was going to say Lord Valentine's Castle. I think. Yeah. It's what? probably his most popular one. Yeah.
1: Maybe. It's a series, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm, yep. not, I'm not big into those. Uh, Night Wings, maybe. Mm-hmm. But he has, he has a pretty big stature for a guy who doesn't have a killer book. In, in, in the same way Harlan Allison does, I think, right? He's a big stature for a guy who doesn't have a killer book. One book
0: that, mm. you know,
1: um, Neuromancer by William Gibson right that his 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 killer book.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: And then, you know, Asimov has a bunch of stuff, but um you know. Uh I I I don't think of that many uh of I don't think that much about Foundation. Mm-hmm. I liked it. I liked reading it at the time, but I didn't need to go through all of them, which I found out by reading too deeply into Foundation and Empire. mm mm-hmm. Mhm. Right. And trying yep. to tie it all together with the robots and eh, I'm done. Mm. Probably it would have been better to read just the original shorts stories. Yeah. Rather than the fix up. <clears throat> keep going with the fix up and
0: connect it all together.
1: Cause his standalone short stories are just really
0: good. As a model. Yeah, they are. They are for sure. I've got a really nice hardcover called phases of the moon. Hmm. Which I has a bunch of his stories in it.
1: Um, he, broke, he, was a writing machine into... too. Silverberg, you know, like he, yeah. he wrote for money. Um, mm-hmm. and he's, you know, not proud of some of the stuff he wrote for, so he doesn't like promote it. Um, but, uh, that was, that was, uh, and he, he hasn't, he's still live and he's not like licensing his name out for everything, right? Mm-hmm. As far as I know. So. Maybe maybe, uh, what was yeah last thing here is listed twenty ten, right? I don't yeah he's sort of uh, now that he's not poor, he Mm -hmm. (laughs) he isn't he isn't uh, trying to get his pension padded or something. (laughs) Yeah, I think we're pretty much done. What do you think?
3: Okay. Yep, I think we hit her.
0: Good story. Cool. Yeah, I love the story.
1: He's he's such a good writer. Yeah, he is. He knows what to do. All
0: right, he knows he knows what to do. He knows what to do. Arthur C. Clarke. He knows what to do. <laughs> <You know>. uh,
1: <laughs> next week, sailing <laughs> sailing to Byzantium. Uh, mm-hmm. Terrence is on vert. for that. Yep. Mm-hmm. So that's on a Sunday. Scott's probably not available.
3: Yeah.
1: Barnum's yeah. well, uh, yeah. freehold. Yay. Mm-hmm. Uh everybody wants to do that. Yeah. Uh Paul's signed up for it. I'm surprised. Cool? I'm I, surprised I, I, is, is I,
0: Paul is Paul withdrawing?
1: No, it's just that uh, um uh he's gonna rant about it, I think. Oh. And I'm gonna say it's not as it's not as bad as you think, Paul. That's mm-hmm. <laughs> probably what'll happen. I have re- maybe I haven't read the book since I was a kid, so maybe I'm wrong. Uh I, I, I did remember reading that and saying, Oh my god. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> At the time. So uh then we're gonna do uh Westlake.
0: Nice, yeah, not I see available. That. Yeah. Yeah, I'm pretty much tied up. Gonna be revving back up. Okay. Yeah. Well there there's um a change. Ooh, the Colorado Kid. That's awesome.
1: Yeah, I got i read that. Uh, mm-hmm. I got the illustrated edition from Hard Case Crime that they reprinted yeah. with a different cover. At the thrift mm-hmm. shop, and it's an excuse to tear it up and cool. scan those illustrations.
0: Oh, I've watched uh, the first two episodes of Justified Ooh. City Primeval. And how is it? It's good. Good. Yeah. <laughs> there it- are characters, though. I'm warning you. There are characters in it. <laughs> um, El Elmore
1: Leonard, did you see uh, this week? I I put up a Elmore Leonard short story. Oh no! I didn't uh, see that. On Le- uh, Tuesday. Uh-huh. So, um, Tommy Patrick Ryan, who, uh, listens to reading short and deep, wanted to help out. And, uh-huh. uh, he is a good narrator and it's surprising. Um, nice. just some random guy <laughs> on the internet yeah. found me and, um, That's through cool. Eric. Uh, and, um, so, uh, I sent him that when I found out it was public domain mm-hmm. and, uh, man, he's it's, it's his 11th ever published story. And he's just mm-hmm. so good, like his readability scale is like uh-huh. through the fucking roof you know oh, I love it I love it like if, if you just like look at the opening page want some coffee mm-hmm. <laughs> like like <laughs> <laughs> he, he does so much characterization with just like a few lines of dialogue and uh that's that's why I like Delmar Leonard, but cool. he kind of he got worse at the end there but
0: yeah, um, yeah. That's so, well, I'm enjoying it so far. Cool. Yep.
1: Really uh, good
0: job. There
1: is going to be a day change and a time change for um, "No Man's Land" uh, by John Bucken. Uh, we're going to make that more convenient for Connor because he's mm-hmm. not—he's in Australia. He—he he was interested in this book. Uh, but it was going to be at 1 a.m. for him. Mm. So, before the morning, yeah, <laughs> by the time we finish, um, which is a little... Uh, it's only eight hours later for Terrence, so it's, like, early evening, right? 6 p.m., something like that?
2: No. Yeah. Yes, it's, it's it's 7.20. Oh, okay, 7.20. Uh,
1: not off by too much. So, a reasonable hour into the evening not ruinous
2: no
3: not ruinous
2: no um, I I eat before so I'm yeah. not hungry
1: I, I save my hunger for uh, throughout the podcast that way I can be angrier <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> it's a performance enhancer being angrier maybe starve myself for 16 hours before a podcast which is, like, no, it's super I, angry. Uh, I approach
2: it satisfied
1: yeah um uh Houston Houston do you read isn't that a half a tour double yeah it, it is. is no is
2: it, yep. yeah. it is, yeah it's a short story or
1: uh, yeah it's it's half a ace double I'm pretty sure and now I noticed that it's Jesse and Terrence only, so we could add a Scott in there if we want to do it on a Saturday um let's see
0: yes that here
1: James Triptree.
0: yeah, yeah, I would do that okay. I like that. That's
1: September. Okay. Let's
0: see. September. Yeah, I should be able to do Saturday, September 2nd.
1: That sounds Maybe right. That. You, yeah. you, Are you going to change it?
0: Checking my calendar here real quick. Give me just a moment.
1: That works for you, Terrence, right?
2: Yes. Yeah. No problem.
0: This is July, August, September.
1: So I'm going to change it to Second. 02, and then yep. I'm going to add the word Saturday. And Can do. Saturay. Maybe yeah. we're going to start a sub podcast of only uh, Ace, du- Ace Tour Double. Oh,
0: that, that's actually a really cool idea. Well, uh,
1: we've already started on it, and we started with the first one, didn't we? Yeah. <laughs> uh, the problem is, I don't think there's that many audio available for a lot of them. So let's let's look at that tweet if we can. Or no, I did. Well, I sent so it to you direct message, right?
0: This audio is uh, available.
1: Skype? Yes. I think uh, it's surprising how much of hers is available.
0: Yeah, I, was, I just don't know that I've ever listened to James Tiptree on audio. All
1: right. So I'm looking. Yeah. Um, didn't we do? Uh, we did some before. Did we? Oh, yeah. Well, maybe you were not on it.
2: <laughs> you, you did the screw fly. <laughs> oh, yes. Yeah. And the girl oh, who was plugged goes in.
0: Up forever. The whole book is on Audible.
2: Yeah. Okay. And, yes.
0: and
1: uh, like a decade or two ago, well, I guess not two. We did um uh uh The Girl Who Was Plugged In. Yeah. I don't remember that one very well, but I I know we did it. Um cool. Another one that we could do that is available or was available on audio is a Harlan Ellison one uh called Run for the Stars. Mm. Yeah, I think That's you on, sent me yeah. that. Yeah. Right. Um, it's savage, <laughs> as is usual. It's like it's basically a juvenile delinquent
0: in space. That's <laughs> what I remember. <laughs> I, read a, I read a story of his... Oh, what was it called? Just recently, I just read a single short story. Oh, the name's not coming to mind, but it was about this guy who's got a little bit of a clairvoyant ability, and he sees that the world's going to end. Uh-huh. And, um... He's a virgin, so he decides to That's spend the rest of his Very Harlan Ellison story already. Yeah, he decides to spend the rest of his life trying to make sure that he can have sex with someone. And, uh, that, that, that also story. sounds like a, a
1: boy and his dog, basically.
0: Yeah. <laughs> boy and his dog. So I, rough, I put it in rough, the chat there, story. Terrence, if
1: you don't have it, uh, handy otherwise. Um, yes. So there there should be a number of these. I'm looking at it. There should be a number of these that are available. Like um, that Eye for Eye by Orson Scott Card, that should
0: be available, right? That is. Uh, Stefan or Nikki did a There you of that go. One.
1: Um, And then there was another one. The Last
2: Castle...
0: What's that, what is that? Ooh, that is Jack Vance! Video. Oh, those are terrific stories. Yeah, it's not available.
2: I, I began it, but I I found it good, but I never finished it. Uh, there's
0: yeah, almost like no it. Vance uh, in audio. The Last Castle, and then um, there was another one, The Dragon Masters. Those are fun. I mean, yeah, just check Audible.
1: But I'm pretty sure there's n- almost no Vance available, except for Planet of Adventure, which is a series, right? Jack Vance.
2: Why do I have Jack L- in audio? I I found this yeah. somewhere.
0: The Dying Earth, The Star King, Planet of Adventure, The Killing Machine. yeah. A so a action. lot
1: of these are s- series, though. So lioness uh, series. So it's uh, and some of these are not in English. Le jardin de le soldron.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
1: I need to switch it to English only. There we go.
2: That's in lioness. Uh, oh yeah. Oh, you've got chai. it. Uh, the title is in French.
1: Yeah. Uh, we did "To Live Forever" by him. That's not a a tour double, but if we if we just confine ourselves to the tour doubles, I, I love the length.
0: Right? It's so yeah. This is fun. Yeah, good, that would be a lot good of fun. solid
1: length. Um, let's yeah. have a look at the uh, the ones and just so I'm starting the top. "Ill Met and Lankmar." That should be available by Fritz. Lankmar. Yeah, it is.
0: It is. Jonathan Davis reads it.
1: Uh The Fair in Enemies March by Charles DeLint. I don't know that one. Robert well, Silverberg in Another Country. That might be available. I don't know. Hmm. Vintage Season by C.L. Moore. I would love to read Ooh. that. Uh The Sword of Rhiannon. I'd like to read that, too. Oh, yeah. The Color of Neanderthal Eyes by James Triptree Jr. Well, one Triptree at a time, right? Mm. Uh, another Lee Brackett. This, oh, no, no. That's the same one. I'm reading upside down. It's not mm-hmm. working. Uh, Michael Bishop. Another... Oh, Nightwings. That is at least available in one edition.
0: Yeah, it's definitely available um, on audio. Yep. Saturn game. All, But it might be a novelization. of it. Yeah,
1: I'm not... I'd like to go with the... The shorter stuff, the maybe the Ursula K. Le Guin one, the New Atlantis, maybe. Uh, there's a Kate Wilhelm, He Who Shapes, probably not. The Blind Geometer. I'd like to have more Kim Stanley hmm. Robinson short stuff, right? Yeah. Yes. He's he's good, especially when he's short. <laughs> uh. Yeah,
0: what's weird is, you know, when they do collections and stuff on Audible, they don't list the table of contents. No,
1: they're <laughs> fucking terrible. I don't
0: know why they wouldn't do that. Because
1: they're, they're, they don't, it's just product to them. Uh, the Ugly Little Boy is not only available, I think it might even be Public Domain. Uh, oh, yes. By Asimov. A lot of Lee Brackett on here. And Edmund Hamilton, her husband... Another James. Oh, yeah. girl who plugged in. Screwtop. I actually have this book, but I've never read that side. Enemy Mine. I'm pretty sure I read yeah. that.
0: So the best of uh, Kim Stanley Robinson is on audio, and I'm almost positive that the Blind Geometer is in that book. Let me check.
3: Cool.
1: Um, down the bottom, Hard Fought by Greg Bear. I have that as audio.
2: On. Cassette yes, that that's inverted. That's stapled at the end.
1: Yeah, I, you know what I really love about him is, even though he was a shitty prose stylist, yep. like you can't yes. read, you can't understand what's happening because he just bad at it. Um, he was an idea man. Like yeah. he, he should have had a badge. Said idea man, because,
3: I mean,
1: <laughs> and then he sold so, out and died.
0: The Blind Geometer is in The Best of kin, Stanley Robinson. So, Cool. That's a go. Uh,
1: I think we're, we're doing pretty well here. Mm-hmm. Um, He's got a cool baseball story, by the way. Um, <laughs> Tell it's
0: me in the same book. book. It's called um, Arthur Sternbach Brings the Curveball to Mars. That's cute. Super good. It's fun.
1: Our Lady of Darkness. Who's that? Oh, Fritz Leiber. Okay. That's
0: Fritz Leiber, yeah.
1: And Conjure Wife, which is public domain, but no. Oh, nice. No audio. Universe. Uh, I think that isn't that a collection. No, no. That's um half of of uh, uh, yeah, we've already done universe. Interesting. Yeah, it's half of um, Orphans of the Sky.
0: Um, yeah, Ilmet and Lankmar is um that's fun, available. and it is yeah, and it is available. So. And it's
1: fantasy, so we could get yeah. into
0: that. Yeah.
1: Damon Knight has <coughs> two things. I can't read this. A little bit hard to read some of these. Ice is not by yeah. Kim Stanley Robinson.
0: I didn't. I didn't realize that that was a shorter book. Um, I've got the novel Ice Henge. Yeah, I wonder in if it's. I just started it the other day. Oh really? But uh, it's a novel. It's not a novella. There's a what Press
1: Enter by John Varley and Hawksbill Station yeah. uh, in the same book by Robert
0: Silverberg. Yeah, Press Enter is available standalone from Audible. It's Dude. Just, you,
1: that's great. We're doing really well here. And, uh, one, one book that everybody always recommends that I do not know is available. Death of Doctor, uh, Death of Doctor Island by Gene. Yeah. Oh, maybe that's not Island of Doctor Death. Isn't that what it is? Yeah, the Island of Doctor Death.
2: No, that exists too. You've got all the permutations.
1: But, yeah. the, so the Death of Doctor Island is a different story than the Island of Doctor it's, Death?
0: Yeah. Yes. Okay.
1: <laughs> it is. He Not confusing of it around.
0: He's got like four of them. Okay. Like
1: Thieves Control by, a Carnival by Karen Haber and another Lee Brackett, uh, Jewel of Boss. Home is the Hangman by Roger Zelazny and there's a Samuel Delaney with a very long title that I can't read. Uh, a Harry Turtle Dove and The Wheels of If by El Sprague de Camp. So,
0: wow. Gene Wolfe has a ton of audiobooks now if they're all audible exclusives
1: oh that's interesting
0: yeah um, so you got the book of the new sun the book of the long sun well i knew uh, about those but is there a short short uh the Ni- i don't see any short fiction damn no. it soldier of the mist the wizard huh the book of the short sun so there's like a couple of those three of those Yeah, there used to be none team wolves, but now there are lots.
1: Conjure Wife was turned into a movie, I think, maybe more than once. Um, The problem is it doesn't exist as an audiobook.
2: Huh. Yes, I'm sure it does.
1: Well, maybe I'm spelling it wrong. Conjure Wife Library Audio. Maybe it's on. Oh, there it is, Ben. Oh, it's on
0: Librivox. Solved. Yes. Cool. Solved. And it can even go in the feed.
1: Yep. It's all the better. Um. Let's. Yeah. Ben Tucker is the narrator. He's good. Um. I'm not sure I'm gonna love it, but I think I should read it. It's a five hour book. Norman Saylor is a logical, practical fellow with a bright future at the college he teaches at and a loving wife who supports him in every way possible. His reality is about to be shattered when he discovers that his wife, Tansy, has secretly been practicing witchcraft in order to protect him from and further his career. After this shocking discovery, he forces Tansy to get rid of all the charms and totems she has cultivated throughout the years. What Norman doesn't realize is that other women are conspiring against him and are waiting just for just such an event to unleash hell upon he and Tansy body and soul. So I've heard, I've heard about this book and I, I should probably read some more Fritz its
2: Yes. That's another one I've always wanted to read, but I never did.
1: Well, one at a time, but we got that in our back pocket and if, if when I'm editing up this future episode, I'm, that's actually a really good way to remind me of what we're going to consider doing is I'm listening to the episode, uh, show notes, uh, show noting. And I'm like, Oh yeah, yeah. I forgot about that. Um, and it helps me remind you next time.
2: Yes. Oh yes, Jesse. I remember back in the day. I I said, I would have liked to read that before I die. Yeah. Can you do it really quickly? that like
1: this <laughs> evening? <laughs> the one I want to do before I die is called Sartor Resartus. You guys heard of this Ah book?
2: by Carlyle?
1: Yeah, no audiobook, mm-hmm. so I'm still. I'll just check.
2: I'm sure that exists as well. I don't
1: know why, but I'm I would convinced. like that to be true. It's it should it's public domain, so. Uh, it's,
2: uh, but it's not on LibriVox.
1: Not yet. Um, I processed the original serialization from the magazine. Uh, and it's hard to get people interested in it. Um,
2: I can see, I can see that it exists. Audio? But on a site that you couldn't oh. put on the feed. Uh, on Audible?
1: I'm seeing one here. There it is, 10 hours, 24 minutes. Ah. Oh, it's from Naxos. Okay. Let's have a listen. mm
2: Considering our present advanced state of culture and how the torch of science,
1: I'm signing up. <laughs> Let's do it. <laughs> yes. All right. So uh, this is cool. another one I've
2: always wanted to read.
1: Let me tell Scott about it because he's not—he has no idea what I'm talking about, right? <laughs>
2: uh,
1: the Wikipedia entry uh, on it was really good. I don't know if it still is when I found <laughs> what, it. What ago. is it
0: that we're talking about?
1: It's called Sartor Resartus, uh, which yes. translates to the tailor Retailored. And uh it's a meta book of some kind. Artist, uh by Thomas Carlyle. Okay. Uh eighteen thirty-one novel. You love your eighteen thirty-one novels, don't you? Oh you betcha. <laughs> so many good ones. Um Scottish essayist and historian and philosopher Thomas Carlyle. See, we've already got uh Terrence mm-hmm. right? <laughs> Scottish essayist <laughs> First published in a serial Fraser's it's magazine. Scottish, that's right. Uh, so I, that's where I dug it out from. From November 1833 to August 1834. So like a year and a half or whatever. Long time. Uh, the novel purports to be a commentary on the thought and early life of a German philosopher called Diogenes Tufelstrack, which translates as God-born devil dung. <laughs> <laughs> Author of the tome entitled Clothes, Their Origin and Influence. So this guy named Diogenes Tufelsdrak wrote a book called Close Their Origin and Influence. And, <laughs> and Thomas Carlyle wrote a book that's a book review of that book that doesn't exist. Hmm. Uh, uh, transcendentalist musings are mulled over by a skeptical English reviewer referred to as the editor who provides fragmentary biographical material on the philosopher. The work is in part a parody of Hegel and German idealism more generally, uh, and I'm going to get well, Terence to tell you what German idealism <laughs> is, even though I know what, perfectly well what it is. What's German idealism, uh, Terence?
2: <laughs> German idealism is uh, like it says. It's, um, uh, Ideal Germans. A, a, a series of uh, philosophers um, at the uh, e- end of the 18th century I would say, you've got um, Hegel, Schelling, Fichte, mm-hmm. and, um, my boy, in the language of, uh, of the time. Don't forget about Emmanuel. Yes, he's a sort of idealist. He's on the um, And they're all reacting to Kant, in fact, to try and find a way out of, um, Kant's, um, basic idea that there are things in themselves mm. and there are things. Um, as we perceive the, the phenomena and there's no re- relation between um, the phenomena and the things in themselves because it all has to go through the laws of our mind and so we can't really know the thing in itself. And so the German idealists um, kept on trying to find ways around um, that dilemma by suppressing different premises and um, finding different ways of getting to Real knowledge of the thing in itself. Um, so either by intellectual intuition, which Kant said was impossible, or by dialectics, or by you're, saying, "You're, well, you're by losing me," so itself, you've lost
1: you can... Scott. That's what I can tell you. What <laughs> oh. I will, what I will say, okay. what I will say is that this book sounds really good because it explores these ideas in a funny way. Um, mm. It's inspira- inspired, apparently, by an essay or something by. Um, my man, the dean of Ireland, what's his name? Jonathan Swift.
2: Ooh. Um, oh, you are, and I, and Trister Shandy, probably by um. Oh, you know, which I,
1: I haven't read, but um, anybody who says I want to take on um, my man, Jonathan Swift, uh, I'm down for because he's awesome and funny, and this mm-hmm. sounds really funny, and then. At the end of this giant Wikipedia entry, um, it says this. The book is increasingly recognized as, quote-unquote, the founding text of the emergence of the serious (laughs) and organized study of clothing. I'm like, what? (laughs) Otherwise terms, dress studies or fashion theory. So, Scott, how can you not Uh, want to be involved in a foundational text on fashion
0: theory? Yes, indeed.
2: (laughs) Your sartorial um, uh, sartorial uh, ambitions. Yes.
1: Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, we, you put on clothes. I put on clothes. Clearly, this is a book we both need to read. Um, mm-hmm. So, it is... Uh, I'm going to read the description from... Oh, there are no reviews. Let's see if there's Amazon. Oh, there's some Amazon reviews. My all-time favorite book says somebody from Canada. Uh, when I look back at what... Oh, no, that's a quote from... The, I couldn't put it better. This is one of the This is one of the books that makes life worth living. (laughs) A powerful and profound book. Then somebody says, Sartre over Sartre is in 100 words, one star. I'm going to read that. In book one, the narrator presents British readers, German professor Diogenes Tufelsdrak and his philosophy of clothes. Book two describes Tufeldrock's childhood education first love heartbreak sad wandering loss and discovery of faith book 3 expands on the philosophy only seeing through clothes anything notably rationalism masking a man's true nature as quote unquote spirit can we understand only oh okay only only seeing through clothes can we understand life <laughs> <laughs> educating an art a flame like a spirit grows when kindled by another not composted <laughs> <laughs> the symbi- symbiosis of religion and society, sci- science's limitations like the ramblings of a half mad saint sweetened by a storyline only in book two. Moments of beauty hide within thick stylistic jungle. And then humor two, readability three, characterizations four. So rating 50% and one star. Well, mm-hmm. well, wow.
0: wow. what can I tell you? So it's a, it's a 320 pages.
2: Yeah. Oh, I thought it
0: was long It's I've got the PDF. I'm looking at the, the Oxford World Classics edition.
2: Uh-huh.
0: Just looking at that on
1: Amazon. They got the PDF, so you can read it in the original. See where they made changes. <laughs> read it took in the out, original PDF. Took out buggers and put in Formex. Uh, uh-huh. It's called Sartor Sartor. There it is. Did that link work? Yes, it did.
2: Nature uh, would have given it a, one star. On, um, he, I forget the details, but he said that it was um, uh, a, a testament to his um, dyspepsia, to Carlyle's dyspepsia mm. and unconscious self deception.
1: Yeah, I don't know anything about Thomas Carlyle other than I'd heard his name. It comes up once in a while, and this book, which I really want to read. Um, yes, and in the PDF. It starts, uh, considering our present advanced state of culture and how the torch of science has now been brandished and borne out with more or less effect for 5,000 years and upwards, uh, I love this sentence, never ends, how in these times especially, not only the torch still burns, and perhaps more fiercely than ever, but innumerable rushlights and sulfur matches kindled thereat are also glancing in every direction so that not the smallest cranny or dog hole in nature or art can remain unilluminated. M-dash, it might strike the reflective mind with some surprise that hitherto little or nothing on the fundamental character, whether in the way of philosophy or history, has been written on the subject of clothes. One giant paragraph for one sentence. <clears throat> yeah. and Isn't that great?
3: That's great. I, yes.
1: I'm excited about this book. I'm going to put it on the bottom of the list. And next cool. time uh, we're doing our tour thing, our tour double book. Whatever that is, um, wow. we can uh, get excited about it. Right. Sartor Resartus. Sartor Resartus.
2: Sartus. Hi,
1: <laughs> Carlyle. What is he famous for,
2: other than this book? Some sort of uh, hero worship. Oh, really? Nietzsche didn't like it because it was um a sort of a precursor to his idea of the Superman, but it was it was wrong it was the wrong way of thinking about things the the great um providential um men who make history huh uh so, so i'm
1: I'm putting your name down, Scott unless you object oh I don't object to that right. <laughs> um uh, other things. No that, objection here. Good, good. Other things that are, um, on that list include, uh, this book that Evan's gonna do called Hi, Hi Ibn Yaktan by Ibn Tufail. <laughs> um, which he, his description of it's basically, um, it's, uh, a story about a guy who gets raised by a deer. Hmm. Like, like, like Tarzan, but instead of, uh, uh, instead of a, uh, monkey. So, uh. What's the
2: I think I read this book ages ago.
1: Interesting. Yeah. He, I think he talked about it. Uh, uh, okay. Uh, let's see. Alive Son of a Wake is an Arabic philosophical Alive? novel and allegorical tale oh, written no. by Ibn Tufail, uh, from the early 12th century. Uh, so it's not super long and I'm excited about that because I get to read an old book that otherwise I would never get to read oh, it's the most translated text from Arabic after the Quran and A Thousand and One Nights
0: wow that's wild
1: yeah, and A Thousand and One Nights I'd like to do that too but I don't know if I have that much time
0: <laughs> maybe you can only do uh, uh several of a thousand and one
1: nights. Uh, yeah. I, I mean, and uh, we actually did, did, did you, 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 remember we did that for reading short and deep. I found a little mm-hmm. one that was in yeah, there. That yeah. Yeah. cool. I do remember that. The dream one. Mm-hmm. Very, uh, very solid. <laughs> very, um, Borgesian. I think that's where I found it. Borges <laughs> mentioned Borgesian. It. Yeah. Dude, there's another guy who never wrote a uh, co- collab book to make money. <laughs> <laughs> you know what i'm gonna do i love labyrinth so i'm gonna i'm gonna license my labyrinth out to uh, uh frank herbert's son
3: that's right <laughs> uh,
1: the guy who writes those tom, tom clancy books with uh you know tom clancy's been dead for years um, yeah, i'm gonna yeah. get him to write some uh borges books for me <laughs>
0: yeah he's still going strong yeah
1: All right, guys. Thank cool. you so
0: much. Thank you. I hope you have a great one. Yeah. All uh, best, Terrence.
1: Yes, and uh, thank you. Good evening good. and good morning, great. Scott.
0: <laughs>
1: uh, did you see Indeed. that? Twi- oh, no, you don't see anything on Twitter, right? There was a funny tweet thread about um, "Good Morning," and they got into like a big argument with hobbits and wizards. Well, what do you mean by "Good Morning"? <laughs> 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 I mean it in every respect. <laughs>
0: oh
1: man. Good morning as in fuck off or good morning as in it's nice to see you.
0: <laughs> oh boy. Yep.
1: Yeah. Yep. So we yeah. that's a book we still need to do by the way, The Hobbit.
0: The Hobbit. Oh yeah. I was Tell gonna do it Hobbit.
1: when it turned into uh when it turned public domain in Canada, but then Justin fucked every Canadian uh and really changed the law so that uh, nothing new could enter the public domain for 20 hmm. more fucking years. No kidding. What an asshole. Wow. Why did he do that? Because he's bought and paid for and corrupt oh. as fuck.
0: Dang it. Yeah. An asshole. So,
1: I
3: don't know
0: what to do about it other than we just persist. <clears throat> so, Justin Trudeau is not a big damn hero.
1: Not a big yeah, uh Car- Thomas Carlyle should not write a book praising him. Mm. Gotcha. Yeah, no, he's he's a bad man. Yeah. Very bad
3: man. Bad, man. Bad, bad man.
2: Oh well. Thank you guys. All I'm right. gonna make thank some you. coffee. Okay. Thanks. We'll goodbye. I'll see, see
1: you on the internet. Bye-bye. <laughs>
0: this has been the sff audio podcast please join us at www.sffaudio.com and thanks for listening if you enjoyed this podcast consider becoming a patron at patreon.com forward slash sff audio i'm in miami i've uh-huh. heard messi heard
2: is a messi? guy no. Not it's not all...
1: spelled like Messi. It's it's I E.
0: M M E S S I.
1: Yeah. Ah. Yeah. Uh,
0: where's he from? Brazil? Argentina.
1: Okay. One of those. Southern... And he played
0: for Barcelona for a long, long, long time. Barcelona. So what would so the American Soccer League is nowhere near as good as the rest of the world?
1: Yeah, you're but... one of the weirdos, right? Because you care a little bit about soccer. I care a little <laughs> bit about that. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: But what, what keeps happening is, at the end of their career, a famous soccer player will just play a couple years in the United States and make an incredible <laughs> amount of money. To relax? Why, why do they do it? Just for Well, money? because it's like they're, they're, their prime has passed, so they're not going to get on another famous team. Hmm. So they come here to the United States and um, fill the stadiums. People... Wow! Pay all kinds of money to go see him. And, Interesting. Yeah, That's David nice. Beckham did that. Oh, really?
1: Okay, I yeah. heard of him too. He married somebody. <laughs>
0: <laughs> he did. He married one of the Spice Girls. <laughs>
1: that sounds right. This is all such uh, important. Messi!
2: I know him. Yeah, Messi. Because so, he was against France. Um, oh yeah. Uh,
0: yeah, like one, World Cup or something. Two months ago. Right. Right. Exactly. In,
2: Yes, I even In watched um, yep. uh, 10 minutes of that. Right, right. This is, this is very unusual for me. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> yep. I must admit, I I was rooting for them against France. I don't know oh, why. Very good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wh-
0: whose team was he on? He was on Argentina. National so oh, okay. team. He was playing for the country at that oh. point. It was the World Cup. Right.
1: Yeah. Yes. Cor- uh, a lot of the Korean students uh, I have are world cup fans uh my boss cares a little bit too uh,
0: you know well, Co- women's korea's women's in the in the cup or something and they're like you know they're not <laughs> the women's world cup is going on right now and last night the united states played vietnam well
1: that's a fact vietnam right. actually did very well
0: because the united <laughs> states is ranked the best team in the world you know But Vietnam, they lost three to zero. Yeah. You know, girls soccer is a thing in the United
1: States, right? Like, what's that? Girls soccer is a thing in the United States. It is like for Canada, uh, hockey is the main thing, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, so there are women hockey players, but it's just sort of like if you're in any small community in Northern Canada, you're a hockey player. And if you're not, they're beating you up every day.
3: That's <laughs> yeah, how I yeah. know. Oh,
1: <laughs> um, so there, we're yeah. going to generate a lot of hockey players just to, in the, in, and, you know, uh, soccer or hockey fans. And for yeah. some reason, uh, you know, it's like a trope, the soccer dad, the soccer mom in the States, they take their, their g- girl to soccer. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes. Well, uh, get that. Yeah. Get that. Uh, girl energy out by kicking her. Uh-huh. Kicking her
0: bed. Uh, well, yeah. In the United States, the best athletes don't go to soccer. No. Yeah. Soccer. But there's no money is, in it. Right. It's a. It's a second tier sport in the United States. I would say.
1: At at least, right. Hmm.
0: Yeah. So
1: uh, I mean, tennis almost has more cachet than. <laughs> I, I think it does have more could, cachet. Yeah, it could, could be Even right. women's tennis, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. And nobody cares about that. Not compared to football or baseball. Yeah. They even care
0: well, amazingly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You care yeah, about baseball. baseball, don't you? I yeah, I like baseball. I think baseball is my favorite sport currently. <laughs> I like it's. Slowness. Evan makes
1: it's Evan nuts. makes a really good argument for for uh, baseball being worthy of any attention. And I mean, I don't like watching sports, but I agree. You know, if you're if you talk about sports movies. Baseball movies are good movies. Yeah, any yeah. other kind of sports movie, I can't think of any. Like football ones, don't like them. Um. Mm-hmm. Uh,
2: yeah, there's always a thought component in baseball yeah.
1: movies.
0: Yeah.
1: And right. like, uh, you well, know, baseball is you a contemplative another chance sport. And, yeah, it's yeah, like, yeah.
0: It, I mean, it just is. It's a, it's a, I'm trying to think of the right word. Contemplative is a good word but because it's it's slow and it doesn't try to be so It's a lot of
1: guy sitting around waiting for his turn.
0: Mm-hmm, and
1: mm-hmm. and it's dependent on other people it's a team sport but it also puts individuals in the clutch in a way that you don't mm-hmm. get in basketball basketball is action 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 it's hustle mm-hmm. hustle hustle and yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, basketball has like a personality component uh you know psychological component i don't get the sense that soccer has a lot of psychological components like the way that baseball you know you can psych yourself out or psych yourself in mm-hmm. <laughs> You know, yeah, yes,
2: but well, I think, with the yeah, World you, Cup yeah. mm-hmm. at the end of the World Cup, when they were, um, what do you call it in English, when it was um, each team sent someone up to take a shot at a, a goal, mm-hmm. the yeah, tie-breaking yeah, the penalty kicks. Yeah, yeah, the penalty kicks. That was incredibly uh, psychological and, mm-hmm. and theatrically drama, uh, dramatized. It was yeah. pure psychological yeah. That's drama. the
1: stakes. But uh, that's uh, that's the stakes throughout baseball. And and then in yes. regular baseball, like Evan points out, uh, I'm just cribbing from Evan all the time now, mm-hmm. um, you know, baseball theoretically doesn't have an end, right? There is no yeah. uh, penalty kick or time limit.
0: No, they play till someone wins.
1: Yeah. yeah. Oh, no, they play nine. nine. They play nine
0: innings, and if it's tied, right. they just keep playing. That's yeah. right.
1: And so they could yeah. have 17 innings or 100 innings. They can, innings. yeah. It is happen- well,
0: not 100, but yeah. 17 no. has happened. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and,
1: but but the other thing is, uh, you know, you could be, uh, I don't know, one team could have 18 runs, and the other one has mm-hmm. has two runs, and they still uh, will go to the nine it isn't yes, like, exactly. like
0: yeah. uh, soccer where you know. <clears throat> well, soccer, soccer is ama- amazing from a psychological standpoint because you know, when you watch the best teams in the world, they talk about form and being in form.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: And so you can watch this team full of like the best players in the world and they can play horribly, um, when they're out of form, but somehow they have to get in sync with each other. So people know where each other are mhm and all this stuff, and when they're in form, it is an—it's um, a, a stunning to watch. Hmm. Um, and you, so you have these teams that they just hit this peak performance, and that means that they're—you know—you you, can't—the individual can never score a goal without help, right? Because somebody's got to get the ball to them in the right spot, and that is often as amazing as a goal. Yeah, and that's the it, opposite uh, the of baseball, yeah. right? Right, right. Baseball is really it's the one-on-one defensive, pitcher, yeah. pitcher versus um, hitter, and then you do have you know the fielding of the ball when the ball is in play. Yeah,
1: no. So it, it has both,
0: right? It's right. Really, It's
1: much more psychologically. But it's it's complex. not you know like
0: Terrence said. It's it's kind of like uh, penalty kicks mm. all the time, right? Right. <laughs> right. The whole game is like penalty
1: kicks where you're just which you know, both lo- lowers and raises the stakes, right? Right. Um, right. So uh, this is I think about this a lot in because I play that one game, you know, PUBG. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, And what's amazing about the game is whenever they tweak it, um, it can be a good thing or a bad thing. And one of the Mm -hmm. things they did recently that they retracted, uh, as somebody rightly pointed out, um, you know, one of these, I I think of them as YouTube scientists, you know, like Mm -hmm. they just, like yesterday I was watching um, uh, somebody uh, do science on soundproofing. So they like got a there, there's this company selling soundproofing material, and they uh, made a box out of that, and they also made a box uh, out of uh, drywall, and a box out of just rubber uh, foam, and a box out of insulation, and then they just measure how much sound is reduced. Right, so it's a little YouTube science, right? Uh, looking at the claims of corporations and marketing and all that stuff. So there's a guy who does that for pub g like uh for example uh you can run around with clothes on right <laughs> mm-hmm. now to me uh i don't wear the bright clothes because i don't want to be spotted it's much easier to spot people uh hence get you killed but if you wear bright clothes it's like you're advertising i'm dangerous right but mm-hmm. i'm like i'm not dangerous huh? i'm i'm a i'm a bush <laughs> <laughs> right um, right and then um uh, another thing you can do is like put on shoes <laughs> and you think, well, why wouldn't you have shoes? Well, it turns out your sound profile is slightly less on most surfaces when you're not wearing shoes. So I never wear shoes because mm. sound is very important in the game. Now, mm-hmm. most people don't know that because they haven't watched the YouTube science, <laughs> on it. you know, where he does side by side sound waves of, you know, doing the same things. He does the same thing with all the weapons and all that uh, this guy's named wacky jackie um, mm-hmm. anyways um he he uh, made a commentary on a thing called uh, a, a blue chip detector basically it's a new f- it was a new feature added to the game that uh, allows you to uh, like in other similar games see enemies with a little radar thing you hold in your hand like a little drone tablet or something right um, and it can see through walls now if you're if you played this game a lot like I have and you thought about the psychology and the strategy and all that stuff, you're going to see there's a problem with this because this game allows different play styles. And one of them is hiding. <laughs> so mm-hmm. if you can be like completely silent, hiding in a closet, <laughs> um, surrounded by enemies, and they can just like pull out a blue chip and know where you are, that mm-hmm. wrecks the game in a way that... Uh, it, it shouldn't, and he was saying that it was to do with this is a horror game, right? And mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. that's the way I think of it too. Is each match should last on the proper maps should last half an hour if you're playing to the end, maybe you know thirty one minutes, uh, maybe twenty nine minutes, but it's a half hour, and you only have one life to live. So you, you start at the beginning. There's a hundred people alive, and you can see that the ticker. As people die, right? And the circle gets smaller and you're being forced together, right? You're going to die. So it's building up this horror inside of you that increases and increases and increases. So if you can just suddenly say, well, now there's no horror because I know where the enemy is, that Mm -hmm. doesn't make you afraid to go into buildings. And there's this other phenomena when people play. I, I, I like playing with randos just finding ran- random people on the internet because I can see human psychology in all its uh, horror. <laughs> um, and w- uh, there's this phenomenon where people want to, quote-unquote, hot drop. What that means is they want to go get into a fight right away, which is really them saying, I can't handle the end game stress because mm-hmm. if, you, if you get killed right away and disconnect from the game, you can just start another game, and then you don't feel bad Because you went half of twenty nine minutes and then died, right? But to me, that that the whole thing is like, what will happen if I can survive? That's a good thing, just like in real life. But if you can, if you come from the mentality of other games where, you know, you respawn, you know, two seconds after you die, it's just action, action, action. It's completely different kind of psychology, and so all of this stuff. Uh, I think feeds into uh you know what why why would you want to watch somebody running around on t v uh you know kicking a ball or hit, hitting mm-hmm. a baseball bat i think it's very interesting uh, yeah, yeah. Sp- speaking of youtube videos terence you uh you tweeted again about um some guy named
2: Damian name? Walter.
1: that's him oh ah, how I do I again. recognize his name mm-hmm I've heard of him. Isn't
0: he science fiction related? Yeah. I don't, I don't G. know Walter, he's is a it? writer. I don't know he, he, he
2: used to write reviews for, that's so I right. can't remember what, The Guardian or something years ago. Oh, yeah, and that's, then... that's
1: it. The Guardian. Yeah. G. Walter. So I watched he... the two videos on Foundation, um, which I haven't watched the show. Are you watching the show? the show? I've watched the
2: show. Yes.
1: Why are you punishing yourself? I,
2: I hate myself.
1: What? <laughs> You're punishing yourself.
2: Yes.
0: Watching which show? I'm sorry. Foundation, the Apple Foundation. TV. Oh, based okay. On I, I watched, I watched uh, 20 minutes of episode one of that
1: one. <laughs> of season one, right? <laughs> exactly. Well, it's in season two now, and Damien I was like,
0: Malters no, I'll, I'll keep what I have out of Foundation.
2: No. Yeah. But it's Anyways, so sorry, amazing. But, is it's it? It's so amazing how far they can go. hmm from um from the the, the novels mm. it's and and and, and produce uh, I, don't, I don't even know what it is that they produce garbage you know, they have, it sounds so like damien walter uh you have to uh, 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 listen to it uh, fairly accelerated because yeah i did speed um, him up
0: um, on this yeah. on second video especially so damien walter and he talks about foundation on on booktuber yeah. yeah it's youtube let YouTube. me see yeah. the
1: titles: Foundation and Geopolitics. That's episode two. Oh, there it is. Yeah, it's you know it's only fifteen uh. minutes or whatever. Um, I, 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 uh, I think a, there's a lot of shows like this. He was mentioning Andor, um, and how it's actually quite good, and that's what I thought too. Is like, you know, the the yes, Grogu, I liked Andor, the Grogu show. You know, the uh, this is Mandeloi. the way. That's the one. Mm-hmm. Andor. And the, the, so that yeah. one, like. It's, it's, um, it's very simple. <laughs> like, it's, it's, uh, there was a cartoon or a comic years ago called, uh, I don't know. It was a samurai walking around lo- like a baby. Um, and it was like, lo- oh, lone wolf and cub. That's basically all it is. Samurai walks around the desert uh, with a baby. <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. So they, they said, let's get real simple here. We're going to have an actor. Not even gonna have a face on him. Just ask. <laughs> and we're gonna have a puppet and they're gonna wander around, and have adventures. That's the show. Like, so there's no depth to it, right? It's, it's, it's just a uh, touching. That's the, that's the only thing it can do. The Andor show is actually an interesting show. And if it was un-Star Wars related, probably be, I'd, I'd probably like it a lot more. I liked it. I thought it was really well done. Um, I like, things that happened in the other show but andor is like a, it's not an intellectual show exactly but it's it's not stupid <laughs> <laughs> and, and like uh the grogu show what's it called mandalorian mm-hmm. it's dumb yes. it's dumb as in it, it, you don't have to bring any um brain yeah. to it you just I, need I to bring your it, heart i know
0: what you mean by dumb but it it's fun and it's yeah it's, it's fun like, it's a oh. western yeah.
1: yeah it's a western but mm-hmm. it's not a it's not a like a reconstructed Western or a hard Western or anything right, like that, right? right? It's yep. it's just simple, um, mm-hmm. and that's fine. But uh, there's other Star Wars shows that I you know I didn't want to watch. Um, so
0: yeah, he he's uh, yeah, I found I found his channel. He's got some very interesting sounding videos. <laughs> mm. There's one. Let's see. Yes, uh, Philip K. Dick's Handbook of Narrative Warfare. Is the name of a video? Interesting. The higher meaning of Interstellar.
1: Yeah, I saw. I've seen that one on on online, and I haven't looked into. into I haven't thought about Interstellar. I thought it's it's kind of like Contact. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Remember that? Yeah, now? I do. Yeah. Um, I wanted to just before we get off on to the actual podcast. Um, I wanted to. Re- I was trying to remember who the producer. He's always talking about the producer, Damien Walter. Uh, David S. Goyer, and I was like, that name, is, oh, how do I even know that name? So, when I went and looked, yes. it turns out that I knew it because, uh, Scott will remember, there was a Robert J. Sawyer TV show. Mm, yeah. Do you remember that? Oh Flash, Flash, Flash Forward. That's the one, Flash, Flash Forward. forward, yeah. Flash forward yeah. He was the producer on that, and his name was you know prominent in the credits, because I was looking at the credits, I guess, to see if Robert J. Sawyer was writing any of them. And mm-hmm. when that show was airing, and maybe uh, didn't we have an interview with him on the podcast
0: um, yeah we we, we we interviewed him briefly um but i feel like it was before the show yeah,
1: yeah um no i th- i don't remember anyways i, no, had I don't some remember in- either yeah i had some interaction with him and he 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 was he said the words I can't let you say that. <laughs> and I was talking about the show. I'm pretty sure it was after the show was airing. Okay. okay. Um, and the reason was, you know, he needs to promote the show because it's, you know, it, he needs a season two and he needs to prop uh, it up and all that stuff. Um, it didn't go to season two. And I think what I was saying about, uh, about the show was it doesn't have uh, much of the book in it. It's very slow and it's turned it into a cop show. And there are, there are, like, little bits here and there that made the show. Like, there's one episode that's um, The Garden of Working Paths, right, by mm-hmm, Borges? Mm-hmm. And that's yeah. the title of that episode. And it's, uh, maybe it's a metaphor from the book. I don't remember or not. The mm-hmm. book has an idea. It's a science fiction book idea book, right? Yeah. And they turned it into a cop yeah. show. And <laughs> I've it had, seen cop shows. I had
2: nice stuff. I, I did it at school, so... The idea that there were those who saw their future and realized uh, that they were never going yeah. to realize their high hopes after their studies, they were going to be a, a pizza deliverer or something like mm-hmm. that. I—it's a great I, idea. I, I, it's high concept. Tortured by students with that. With the book mm-hmm. or the show? Uh, the show. They would not have had time to yeah um, read the book. The the.
1: The thing is is the show dragged out the contents of the book like the book um was I I don't know like a foundation series of books right and it's not it's a standalone yeah. novel um it is not a cop it should have been thing. a mini series it should much yeah it should have been a mini series i think there was like 10 episodes or 12 episodes something like that but th- the thing is is i haven't thought about that show since right and I looked at uh, David S. Goyer's other stuff, and it's like I, I, there was one of the words it came to mind while I was listening to uh, the Damien Walter. Um, I, I thought if somebody deleted every, uh, you know, David S. Goyer's works, and I was looking through the works of <laughs> of, of uh, that he's produced, and like I think the biggest success was like Batman Begins or something like that. Ah, um, uh, yes. And I say if they deleted that from the world, would I be upset? <laughs> and I, I was thinking, no, I wouldn't be upset.
0: But I, then at the, the word came I'm to mind. List <inaudible> of movies. There's one that I really like. It's called Dark City. Yeah. Apparently, see, that's re- oh, yeah. a that. lot of yeah. people
1: like that one. And uh, yeah. when I saw it, I was like, what? Mm-hmm. Uh, I didn't like, I haven't, I haven't rewatched it, but I know there's like a cleavage point in me that a lot of other people think that movie's substantial and very Philip K. Dick like, and mm-hmm. I saw it once on LaserDisc, you know, decades ago, and I haven't thought about it, uh, other than yeah. Why do people like this movie? Uh, mm-hmm. Maybe maybe I was in a bad mood that day. Yeah, well, it's been a while since I've seen it too. I should rewatch it now. Hmm. So I, writing I was, it down, I'm going to do it. The word, the word that came to mind is uh, necessary, and I've used that a few mm-hmm. times. Like, is this is a necessary book? Is your journey necessary? Uh, uh, that yeah. sort of thing. Mm-hmm. And then he he used the word. Uh, necessary or a necessity or something near the end of his thing. And I was like, ah, yes. Um, and then he made the argument that, uh, it, uh, he, he was making defensive art. Like he had heard people making arguments that it can't be adapted for f- screen. It needed, it was necessary or needed to be adapted for screen. Right. And this is not mm-hmm. it. And I'm like, yeah, I'm not sure it needed to be adapted, but the way he was arguing, like what this show could have been, um, I was like, I would watch that show, the one you're talking about. <laughs> um, yes. So uh, what, what were you saying in your tweet? You said it was uh, Hate Watch, Love Watch, some something like that?
2: Well, I called it I Love Remembrance because he's a remembering lo- right, Foundation. Right, right. Yeah. And so uh, I, I mean, how disappointed sort of
1: that. would that, uh, it's the economist guy from the New York Times who loves Foundation and, uh, mm-hmm. you know who I mean. Right. <laughs> no, you guys don't. I'm terrible mm. at remembering people's names who are not people I know.
2: Yeah
1: Uh-oh. Um He he he's like a New York Times uh economist.
2: What's well this? I wouldn't know any of those people. For, uh, people. Yeah, yeah, Friedman Friedman uh,
1: Thomas, No Friedman? this guy. Who who's this guy? Uh um, he's got a beard. <laughs> Paul, Krugman. Got a beard. Paul Krugman Paul Krugman.
0: Rug, oh, okay, Krugman, yeah.
1: Yeah, Paul Krugman is, mm-hmm. he's the guy, oh. he he's like, his favorite book is, um, is Foundation, right? And he got into economics because he wanted to be a psycho-historian. And uh, mm. uh, so how disappointed is he? <laughs> 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 I'd like to, I'd like to sort, of, sort of watch the hate tweets of him, like, trying to reconcile his love of foundation while watching apple tv for for official review at the new york times i think that would be humorous because uh, what i'm seeing in the clips and like just even in the trailer for uh (laughs) i think i even tweeted about foundation and i i just watched part of the trailer i don't know what i said but i was like this is not for me (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so uh, yeah i appreciate yeah. terrence you uh have, hate watching that for me so I, uh, can some yes i couldn't
2: bring myself uh although pro- maybe i'll catch up one day to finish um star trek Picard, the i've re- watched three yeah, episodes you really of the hate yourself that everybody says is better oh yeah but you don't have very high standards in saying it's better. Uh, Dude, but, I do. But um, yeah. for some reason, uh, I've got nothing else on my plate. in TV series uh, from science fiction classics, so I am re- uh, watching it. Sorry, mm-hmm. Scott.
0: I'm, I'm watching No, I've, I've only watched the first episode of that season three, um, and uh, I'm watching Strange New Worlds though and uh jesse calls it jesse calls that hot hot garbage
1: um (laughs) i oh you know maybe that was in a tweet with regard to
0: the guy i think it was just it was in a you may have tweeted it but it was just me and you talking
1: oh really i don't even remember but um yeah uh what i saw i i was probably because i haven't seen any of the show other than the first Mm -hmm. episode you said um, it
0: sounds like hot garbage. That's, yeah. Oh, yeah. That that's, sounds right. That's what you said. Yeah. Um, all relationship
1: stuff. But um, <clears throat> yeah, the, I the see clip I saw uh, was the bacon one, and I'm like, D- <laughs> oh,
0: "This yeah. is so fucked up." Damien Walter has a video called "The Postmodern Destruction of Star Trek." Mm. That, it's, that sounds right. Going in my watch
2: list. Mm-hmm. Yes, that one was not bad.
0: Yeah, I enjoy. I enjoy New strange- Worlds. They're clearly um, not making attempts to be any. You know, it's not in the same timeline or whatever. It's a reboot, is what it is. I- I'm almost positive they're going to go right into Tos, and they're going to keep going as long gonna, as people, people keep they're watching. They're going to
1: reboot the next generation.
0: <laughs> Very possible. <laughs> reboot I mean, Voyager it depends on how popular it is moving forward. You know, I don't know. But I gotta tell you,
2: I'm out. It's up to season two now, is it? Yeah,
0: yeah, we're in season two. Uh, Episode six was. You didn't see the the bacon, the bacon
1: one where the bacon episode where Spock is eating bacon and just going, "Mm -mm -mm -mm," and they're promoting.
0: There's more, there's more. Dude, I don't know oh, if no. you know this part, but did you notice that he was human? He didn't yeah, have... Yeah, yeah. I was
1: like, why are his, why are, where are his ears? I thought it was like yeah. a, pro, just like a promotional piece and they hadn't put the makeup on, but no, that's from an no. episode apparently.
0: It is from an episode. So him and uh, uh, Nurse Chapel were oh, in Oh, I remember show. my
1: tweet, my tweet was, I had, <laughs> I had the Christopher Pike from the original Star Trek in the chair with the beep. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> my response was <laughs> uh, beep, uh, beep, sadness, Be- beeps kill me.
2: <laughs> he he was a pre uh, Stephen Hawking character, in fact. Yes. He a- yeah, how
0: fascinating. Yes. Yeah. Interesting to make that. Yeah, that's pretty cool. But anyway, yeah, him and Nurse Chapel were in a shuttlecraft and they got an accident and there was a, some alien there. Um, you know, the alien entity that's you know, kind of amorphous and you can't really, it's more of a spirit kind of, but anyway, it repaired the two and it couldn't reconcile. See, this is fine. This is, yeah. they've
1: done this on star Trek before. Remember there's uh-huh. an episode of TNG where, uh, Captain Picard and a bunch of other officers get turned into little kids. Yeah. Yeah. That's mm-hmm. fun. It's yeah, fine. It it's a
0: fun episode, right. The problem and is that's what this one was the bacon scene. Uh huh. This was it was a comedy, no doubt. I get it. The whole the whole episode was comedy. I'm
1: crying though,
0: not. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, they, the the aliens repaired Spock incorrectly.
2: Well, yeah. Uh, would you want to be repaired by an alien?
0: Yeah. It but said that there was conflicting was... information, and they and they <laughs> repaired him, but they they picked human.
2: Ah. Hmm. Yeah. That's why his ears were normal. That's why he normal. was human. Yeah,
0: he actually was human. He was experiencing all emotion and everything in a, in a new way.
2: So, going through adolescence for the first kind time. Kind of,
0: yeah, exactly.
1: Yeah. Here's the clip. I've, I found my tweet. Uh, there you go. So you can watch. Oh my God, Spock. Yeah, is, I'm, not, is, I'm not saying. I don't I'm even know saying, what this means. Spock is bacon girly now. pops now. G I R L Y, Girly, Spock is bacon girly pops now. Hashtags <laughs> start. That's the official account tweeting that. I'm like, oh, really?
0: F- Dude, <laughs> look at this in the chat. It's unbelievable. <laughs> oh my Proud gosh. dad nod. What oh, the- wow. That's, yeah, that's straight from Paramount. That's hilarious. Oh, my gosh. Hey, apparently Elon Musk lets me see tweets again.
1: Oh, yeah. Because uh, I clicked this yeah. and I got it. Mm. Yeah. There was some yeah. restrictions
0: there. Yeah, he had he had blocked it completely because the competition. Because if you don't have an account, scraping. you don't get to see anything.
1: Yeah, the mm-hmm. um, uh, threads was the. Uh, this is the interpretation. The new uh, Facebook app that's trying to be Twitter. Yeah,
0: threads yeah. Uh,
1: was scraping um, the content of. Oh. of Twitter. So uh, the w- reason you would want to do this is you can like just say to people your account is now available on on Threads mm. and you could take all your content over, right? So you 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 would have your old Really? Tweets. Oh wow. I mean that's my interpretation. Uh, I have not seen mm. anybody officially say that, but uh, you I know, know. You, who owns your tweets? You do. Right? Mm. Yeah. So Uh, if you could scrape it all off and then just have people flip over to there, but that's a lot more attractive that, you know, I know Paul and other people have been experimenting with Mastodon and other things. Um, what there really should be is an open source one that's, you know, unbeatable Mm -hmm. and you know, all that stuff. What is
0: Mastodon?
1: It's like a replacement for Twitter for people who don't like Elon Musk. Uh, there's a whole bunch of them, and that's one of that's like one of the ones I've heard of. That I
2: yes, heard. that was big before he bought Twitter. Everyone went to do, uh, Mastodon. Oh, when
1: when he was talking? Yes, about Yes, they, it? Were, they
2: yeah. were afraid. They were afraid. Yes, so they created Mastodon accounts, right. but I created an account and I Nobody's just found there. the same tweets. They yeah. did it um, on Twitter and on Mastodon, yeah. and then after um, he bought uh, Twitter, um, people found that it was an improvement. And now they've seen the uh, basically uh, uh, almost everything I see just going through the time uh, line or, or or looking at the comments to people that I like all the comments I see are incredible right wing trolls On so people no on Twitter oh it's, it's it's gone it's taken a right wing turn for for what I see. On Twitter? I don't look
1: at other people's tweets very much, I guess. <laughs> well, I,
3: uh, I, don't,
1: uh, interesting uh, I also don't follow interesting. very th- many. I, I think it's like 400 accounts, and a lot of them are like dead or uh, business accounts or, you know, BC ferries or something well, like that.
2: I don't follow, but interesting things have been happening in France politically. Yeah. So I felt uh, uh, an obligation to try and keep at least a little informed. Yeah, it takes up too much time. Oh yeah, definitely. (laughs) Interesting. So
0: I'm on Threads. Yeah. um, Just because I'm on Instagram and Threads, it says here, click here and check out Threads. Yeah. But so far, it hasn't been political. I think that um, that's
1: the they're trying to make it more like Facebook,
0: which you know can be political, but uh,
1: your exchange. Who do you want? uh, uh, Did you hear about this? Elon Musk challenged Mark Zuckerberg to like a uh, MMA match. (laughs) Like, who are you rooting for? Which billionaire do you prefer? Do you prefer the young billionaire that looks like H.P. Lovecraft or do you prefer the old billionaire who had his hair plugs installed? (laughs) <laughs> mm, i i like the guy who makes rockets not the guy who likes surfboards or whatever like <laughs> yeah. i don't really care about either sport sorry. that's funny
0: <laughs> yeah we have an elon musk in this
1: story a little bit don't we ah well maybe we should get into it because yeah I, I didn't think about that very much but there's stuff to think about in here um did i i yeah i sent everybody the pdf as well right
0: yeah, yes.
1: I, I had it. I had it already. How Is dare it, in you? in
0: fact the audio version that you guys had? Because I already had it. Um, was it Jonathan Davis, no. the narrator?
1: No. Okay,
0: um, that's what I, I had,
1: had an old Durkum uh, one recorded. Oh, really? Yeah, uh, from the mm-hmm.
2: 1990s. Um, well, and, did they correspond? Because uh, uh, the PDF uh, um, was too small, and uh, I had to play around with the size of the pages Sorry. to make it move. So I've got uh, the Kindle version of the Collected Stories. But there were differences between the audio and the stories. Oh, really? Huh? Uh, yes, so, I didn't um, look at the Kindle I, I version. I
0: also have the Collected Stories of Clark on Kindle, and I followed along in my version, not the entire time, but it seemed to correspond it with
2: what to I It seemed to correspond
1: had. with the Playboy one, which is the PDF. Um, I didn't check well, the Super whole thing. Chimp,
2: Super Superchimp was called a Simp. Really? Uh huh. Yes. When, oh. That makes me think of um. Okay, of, now um, I want to look. Uh, um, what's this called? Ender's Game, where the buggers uh-huh. were transformed into. That was two. Uh, Are you serious? They changed so the, the buggers, buggers to him. something else. Yes. Oh my God. Something nicer sounding. but I forget what. Who did really? that? I'm, no, say that again. So. In
0: Ender's Game, they were called the Buggers? Um, I remember that. They were called the Buggers. But they've changed
2: it?
0: Oh, you mean in the movie uh, or something?
2: I'm sorry. No, in in, in, um, the books after.
1: Are you serious?
2: It got rewritten. Yes, I'm pretty sure.
1: Wow, did Morrison Scott Card rewrote his own shit?
2: I'm surprised. Yeah that, that the too. that's what they called the formics. The formics Uh yes.
1: yeah, but that's because they knew their name, right? That's after they did my name. No, notes.
2: because buggers are buggers.
1: No, that's, no, no, no. I no, I don't think so. I don't think that's why because the they're <laughs> called the buggers because they're bugs and they're little kids and you know And they
0: were yeah, and that was a slang. Yeah. It was a slang word. It wasn't an oh, I official I understand, but I but I, 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 I it's today. still in the books and everything. I I
1: I, I, I agree that they're not calling them uh, yeah, but uh, like the second like at the end of the book they find out they're called the formics, right? And then uh they
2: How could they find out they're called the formics? They, don't speak do they do not English. We call them No, the they have uh we find telepathy
1: them. or something.
0: I, but I'm they don't sure have English
2: vocabulary. Sure.
1: I guess. In fact, uh, I or maybe they
2: just you Yeah, you don't call I them
1: die. Nazis anymore. You call them uh, free free West Germans. <laughs> <laughs> the free world, right? <laughs> As you occupy their state. <laughs> I think that yeah, that I don't I, I, I don't think he, I don't I think think he rewrote think. it. I uh so I um, you're saying that I'm pretty
2: sure it was changed.
1: Okay, well like are you saying like I if I go if I go find Orson Scott Card's original Enders game novel, um that's a recent printing, it it says the the Formics did this, the Formics did that? Or are you saying just in later books it's called
0: Well the, there's later books called like the Formic War, right? Yeah. There's, there's First that formic are like creatures or whatever. Right? right. But in Enders Game itself, um, you know, I have I have a hardcover. I'm looking at the hardcover um, that was published. Uh, you know, the hardcover itself was published not too long ago, but it still says, you know, because they would they would play buggers and astronauts, right? That was it was something that the kids would play, and that's when um, his brother would torture him a little okay, bit.
1: Okay, I'm seeing on Stack yes, Exchange yes. something that looks like what is saying here yeah i read ender's game about a year ago and saw the movie shortly after in the book the aliens were always addressed as buggers however in the movie they were called the formic what was the reason for the change in the movie i haven't read the other books yet but in the other books do they start calling buggers formics too or is the name specific to the movie and then I, i would
0: say i would say that yes in like in speaker for the dead I'd, I'd have to verify this. I'm pretty sure they're called it. Formix. But in Speaker for it. the Dead, he's calling him Formix. Yeah. But, yeah, so because buggers was just a slang word that these kids used for the bugs, right? They just called them buggers.
1: So right? it, it, someone else here says, All editions of Ender's Game Book have still used bugger. bugger. Card will likely ah. change it when he makes the revised edition he keeps on talking about but that hasn't happened yet and that was in 2017. So
0: he is actually talking about changing it,
1: huh? Uh, no, he's making a revised edition. That's not s- saying he's going to change it. I would be surprised if he did change it. Even though, you know, he's uh, fascinating. Yeah. Because uh one of the interesting things about him is I think, you know, he's LDS, right? So uh-huh. or yeah, uh Latter-day Saint, yeah. So um he yeah. he makes stands based on his religion um and he doesn't just do what the majority wants and because he fucked up by calling them buggers in the first place bug- buggery mm-hmm. is like a thing in the uk right it's a term
2: yeah but- maybe there's a difference between the two editions okay so i'm looking on amazon
0: uh-huh. there's ender's game and then it says revised uh-huh um and on the there's a stamp on the front that says author's definitive. No Edition. more bugger. No more buggery. No, but I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if
1: that's what he changed. That's what, the, so that'd be what I'd be interested in finding out too, because yeah. um I don't get the sense that he would fuck around with that because it's too f- important to the book, mm-hmm. and it fits the I mean uh form it, it is
0: part of the thing. It's like right. um this whole idea that we're exterminating an entire alien race bugs. was unsettling, right? Yeah. It was unsettling to the characters, and using a word like bugger to refer yeah. to a whole alien race—it
1: it has part the, of the er problem, at right? the end, which is also you know hate, right? Nigger. It's yeah, exactly. it's designed to be a hate word. You fuck yeah. those bugs, uh, bugger those bugs, right? It. Yeah. And, exactly. and you know he doesn't yeah. even get into that in the in the book it's just something you think about when you're reading it and right. uh so uh, i can't imagine that he would go in and ch- that would like if if what you're saying is true terrence in the in the revised version bugger the word bugger is gone i would i would fundamentally change how i think about orson scott card i i think he's principles yes his principles well, may oh, lead you know, in the wrong direction
2: that i read it but, uh, but yeah um, yeah sorry
1: No, I just like, like, I don't agree with, uh, what's the, um, uh, Ron Paul, right? About a lot of stuff. (laughs) But he has principles that his son doesn't even stick to, right? He, you know, libertarianism all the way. (laughs) He's wrong, but, but because he's, you know, he's principled to that, he's right about lots of other stuff. Uh, which, you know, a lot of people aren't. They get, they say one thing, then they get, They get into a a public position and then they bend like a fucking reed in the wind because they want to conform. They don't want to be canceled. Right. Mm -hmm. And uh, Orson Scott Card is, you know, ridden through the cancellation that people have have done to him. Right. Maybe it hurt him in Hollywood a bit. I don't know. I think the movie not doing that great probably did that. I I don't know how well that movie did, but there was no sequence. Uh, I don't
0: I don't think it did. Great. I yeah,
1: think it wasn't. It, was right. it was an okay movie. It was not great. It was not mm. uh, earth shatteringly good or anything like that.
2: Right. Uh, I, I think uh, probably it wasn't changed, but I think um, I was surprised when I read Ender's Shadow, and it was. Oh, Formics. that's the one I
1: read too. Yeah, yeah, I read mm-hmm. that. and Buggers. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, and I suppose uh, the one. change was. Politically correct um, style manuals or whatever. Maybe. But I can't imagine
1: so, him going back and in his revision. Like, if he did that, that would. True. My, my mental model of him would go away. I would have. It's, it's really funny because that's kind of like I, I notice myself doing that all the time. Scott will like this. This is something for Terrence. Uh, Paul won't like that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like I'm, I'm mentally modeling everybody and you know, you can't do it because y- your brain is the size of your brain. And I've got a tiny version of your brain inside of my brain and it doesn't work. Right. But in uh, when, when you think of like some modes, right. If you told me Scott was watching uh, soccer games or baseball games on, on the weekend, that would not surprise me <laughs> right? because I've got that <laughs> mentally modeled already. Um, so, yeah, it, I, I, that would really, uh, that would shake me to my core.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because I, I remember, some... you know, um, the, the, some of the stuff, I would be surprised. I, I do need to get a copy of this revised thing because I think that, I don't think that that's what he revised. I think there was some stuff in the end I remember him talking about, like when the audio drama came out hmm. from Skyboat Media. Yeah. He said that the end of this one resolves some problem that he always hated. Mm. Um, So, but I I don't, so he may have done something here. Um, It says July, 1994 though.
1: So here's uh, some, something um, somebody says, if I recall correctly, the original version made reference to the Warsaw Pact instead of the new Warsaw Pact. So, his book is out of date, right? Hmm. Um, because he, it was written while there was, uh, communism in Russia. And, yeah. uh, this is, you know, and there is, uh, like, a, a that's sort of part of the game of the book, right? Is the two teams coming together. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm vaguely remembering it. Um, and there is a, uh,
2: Kansas.
1: Oh, there you go. In 1991, Card were made several minor changes to reflect the political yes. climates of the time, including the decline of the Soviet Union. In the afterward to enter an exile, Card stated that many of the details in Chapter 15 were modified for use in subsequent novels and short stories. Um, yeah, I mm-hmm. maybe this is this. I watch a YouTube video on changes on the changes, but I can't imagine there. Drastic. Mm. And it's not like you banned the book,
0: <laughs> right? Right. Yeah.
1: Um, there was some people, people doing outrage tweets about a uh, banned book week or whatever, and I'm like, uh, read books banned by their authors. <laughs> 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 That's the only books you should really get upset about when the author censors themselves.
0: Okay, so I just found. I just like found. This is on Orson Scott Card's website mm-hmm. on um, a message board. So from 2007, somebody asked, what's different between these books? And they, they found one little piece at the end. Mm-hmm. But here's evidence that Bugger is still there. But ah. he did he did edit out the word nigger in there. Oh. So the original version, this little section says, they grinned. Then Ender said, better invite Bernard. A lie clocked an eyebrow. Oh, and Shen, that little slanty-eyed butt wiggler. Yeah, he like butt wigglers. Ender decided that a lie was joking. Hey, we can't all be niggers. Ah, uh, Eli. A lie Eli. A lie. A l a i.
1: Ah, yeah. My grandpa would yeah, have yeah, killed yeah. you
0: for that. My great mm. great grandpa would have so, told him first. So what's he? How did he change it? And How then he... here's the change, right? Yeah. But the very last line is, let's go get Bernard and Shen and freeze those bugger lovers. Yeah. Okay. The change version is, they (laughs) grinned, then Ender said, better invite Bernard. Eli cocked an eyebrow. Oh, and Shen, that little butt wiggler, Ender decided that Eli was joking. If you didn't hold yours so tight, it would wiggle too. Let's go get Bernard and Shen and freeze those bugger lovers. Yeah. So bugger is in both versions.
2: But there we have butt and bugger in, in the same passage. Yeah, yeah. Yeah,
0: yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: So that, the, look,
1: it, it, I see, like, he took it out. He took out the N-word that people don't like, right? Mm-hmm.
0: Um,
1: I think that he's kind of hurting himself because the point of that scene, I mean, the point of the setup, right, is you've got all these kids from all over the world, right? And yeah. they're all on Team Human. That's yep. the point. Everybody's on Team Human. The Soviets, the, the guy from the Netherlands,
0: <laughs> mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm. Uh, you know, some other people, and you've got uh, a history. It's not disconnected. It's not aliens. They're connected. So, um, and it's, you know, American. So he isn't using that word there for hate. He's using it uh, to say, we got to get past hate. And yeah, he changed mm-hmm, it mm-hmm. because it's it's the most taboo word there is, right? Right, right. I, I mean, I can't think I can't think of another one that's worse. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. At least in the states, right?
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, I'm
1: yeah. S- I, 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 it's I'm, a I'm, I'm not word. I'm not uh, super surprised about that. But bugger isn't uh <laughs> it, like it was a he made a mistake when he called them that because it has this second meaning he probably didn't know about. When he he wrote it, I don't know. Maybe he was isolated. It was a long it's time, like, uh, long time ago.
2: Jack Vance with his stories of the wank, That's right, the right. Um, that was a but. Th- th-
1: th- th- That's just the title change. He didn't right? know. He, yeah,
2: he didn't know.
1: Yeah, it's just not good marketing. <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah, yeah. But justified by the fact that he didn't know, so we can imagine. But he didn't change the text strange.
1: inside the book, right? He just changed the title and. The title changes yes. are more common uh, than, and you know, often it's not even the ar- author who does them. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Ray Bradbury changed titles like every day. Uh, I'm not sure oh, if he did that.
2: Rolling the the Philosopher's Stone becomes the Sorcerer's Stone. Yeah, but
1: that wasn't that was uh, you know marketing. That was not
0: hers idea.
2: That's marketing. Yeah, because so it destroys the sense.
0: Yeah, yeah, it sure does. <laughs> That yeah. was I remember when I learned that I was like, Oh come on people. Yeah. And there are just little edits all over the book, you know, like Yeah, truck the kind the, of, truck kind of doesn't exist. Likes, and in the It's UK. like really you know, Americans can't read.
1: What do they call what do they call trucks in the UK? Lorries. Lorries, right. Yeah. So the Canadian edition keeps lorry mm-hmm. and the uh, US edition is truck.
0: <clears> because
1: right. heaven forbid children learn a word they don't know. Yeah,
0: that's what I was thinking, you know. I remember one there was like sherbet lemon. Right. It was the uh candy that um Dumbledore liked. Right. And they changed that to some American thing that I don't recall. This is so, this is
1: like here here what we're going to do. We're going to make Doctor Who American, right? Mm-hmm. So, yeah. police box gone. <laughs> <laughs> like it was in the, the police boxes weren't much of a thing in 1960s, right? So right, the, we're gonna get rid of the police box, and then the doctor isn't gonna uh, give jelly babies to his companions. He's gonna get a Hershey bar <laughs> because kids can't relate to foreign candy.
3: <laughs>
1: That's what they'll do, right? And that mm-hmm. this is also what they did with Star Trek, right? They say, you know we're going to do the old next generation. We're going to color code the costumes exactly the same way, but the bridge is going to be 17 times bigger than the bridge. <laughs> and we're going to go into the bedrooms of all the characters and watch them have uh afterglow of their sex scenes um, <laughs> because important.
0: <laughs> yeah, you're right. That is, it's like the relationship everybody's having is vitally important. Yes. Apparently to the writing crew. So yes. Yeah. Right now in season two, they're going through every character. Every character has an episode. They get their
1: all. They get their turns. And you know, when you watch the original, it it'd be rare if Uhura like has a line other than um, you know uh, incoming phone call, Captain. Right, right. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you know, every once in a while, you'd see Sulu gets a he goes mad and gets a sword out. Right, but <laughs> uh, half of the half of the episodes like. Uh, even Scotty doesn't get any anything to do, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and it's because the characters are not the show, <laughs> right? The characters are there to uh, to bring the the script, the idea alive, and the when it isn't that, those are the bad episodes. Mm.
0: Those and are yet the, the, and yet the characters is why people love it. I yeah, think. but the, the, but yeah. The, but they're wrong. And I'm talking about even the original series. I it's mean, like I,
1: saying Captain Kirk uh, has a nice yellow shirt. That's why the show's good. Yeah, mm-hmm. he has a yellow shirt, but did you notice he sometimes has a green shirt? <laughs> and they say, no, 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 no. I love it because of the yellow shirt. I'm like, pretty sure that's not what it is because other, <laughs> shir- other shows have yellow shirts. You might like it for that reason, but you're wrong. Everyone else but, understands. I mean,
2: into the... Um, um, Meeting with Medusa let's syndrome yeah. because because they did a sequel, um, uh, the Medusa yeah. Chronicles. Have you read that? And it's the same thing. Oh really? Uh, I've got it. I I I, I began about it, but let's start. Let's start. I, and I then I'll get you to it. talk
0: about that. Okay.
2: Okay. Everybody I, ready?
0: Yeah. Should I record? Yeah, if um, you can use Skype to record.
1: Ah.
0: Uh, as a backup.
1: Yeah. Why not? Yeah. Got it. All right, I'm starting mine, building a file. Yep. All right, here we go. So, Jesse, Scott, Terrence. Terrence has been on a lot more than Scott recently, but I'm um, mm-hmm. pretty sure Scott's been on more in total. So. <laughs> hey. All right, I, I have got the wrong thing out here. Uh, so I'm going to type in meeting to Medusa on Wikipedia. Meeting with Medusa. Medusa. All
3: right. I'm meeting with Medusa. There it is. Here we go.